Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hello everyone, welcome to FPL Black Box. My name is Az and I am joined by a new Mark. It is not the Mark Southerns you all know and love. It's the FPL General. How are you, Mark? I'm good, Az. Good to be here. As someone who sits down every week with a, with a cup of tea to, to watch this, it <laughs> feels very strange to be on. I need to remind myself I need to actually chime in and talk back to you. Yeah, it would be nice. So, yeah. I mean, you know, Mark normally carries us, so you're going to have to do uh, the heavy lifting. Um, it means I'm in charge of tech today. Uh, I hope that you all heard the sting and you can hear us now. And I haven't seen anyone saying they can't hear us. So I assume everything's uh, going well. Um, I've done a load of tables. Mark sent me 13 tutorial videos on how to set all this up uh, and then managed to mess up some of the tutorials. And I had to fix them with about 10 minutes to go. So it's literally like it always is on Black Bob's absolute carnage. You don't see any of this, Mark, uh, behind the scenes. Uh, but thank you for joining me. It's great to have you here. Yeah, good to be here. Like I said, you know, tune in every week. So it's, it's nice to be here. And as an auto sub for Mark, hopefully it's it's something like a, a six pointer performance rather than <laughs> the usual two pointer off the bench. So yeah, we'll be looking time. forward to this all day and plenty to talk about this week. Absolutely. Yep. So the format will stay pretty much the same. We're going to go over our game weeks. Uh, I've got Mark's as well, of course, even though he probably doesn't want me to go into too much detail uh, about it. Uh, we've got the great and the good. We've got some team data. We've got some player data. We're going to cover all the positions. Uh, we've got some predictions as well and the Black Box League and all of that good stuff. So, I mean, I don't like to, uh, you know, I, I'm trying to be humble, but I'm going to go first with uh, my team. I had another good week, Mark. Uh, 75 points uh, for podcast listeners. Ramsdale and goal with seven. Trent with 12. Cancelo with 14. Reese James coming through again with seven. Uh, Salah with 10. Foden with three. Rafina with nine. Mbomo with two. Smith Rowe with eight. He's been brilliant. Uh, Vardy with two and Tony uh, with one and then Foster, Duffy, Livermento and Antonio on the bench. So Foster and Livermento on my bench uh, obviously got points from them. I th- it would have been about a 20 point bench boost, which would have probably been, I would have, I'd, I'd have been pretty happy with that. Well, what do you think about people who bench boosted in a single game week? Because uh, we're going to talk about FPL Focal, who's second in the world right now. I did an interview with him for Scout. Uh, he bench boosted 26 points, I believe, and up to second. Yeah, I'm quite jealous. I think I've, I think I had 26 on my bench as well, without bench boosting. Yeah, it's, I think the more the seasons, the more seasons we get, the more seasons we play, I'm more and more open to the idea of the single game week bench boost because you know, like yourself, probably many many seasons of bench boost in a double game week, and it just turns out to be a disappointment. You know, you're mm. you're lucky if you get over 10 points a lot of the time. So yeah, it's last week. You know, the goalkeeper is probably the most important position on your bench boost and, and it was a good week with Foster. 
So yeah, I think it was. I think this season where a lot of us are playing with very strong squads, we've got very strong benches because of you know the rotation fears, and and that's kind of what put me off last week. Is you know when you've got players like Chilwell, uh, Cancelo, and these guys, and and even Mbumo, in my head, it's quite hard to get fifteen players on the pitch this season. Mm. Uh, it, it worked like a charm last game week, but I think even more so now when we get into the the busy spell of fixtures, there's going to be more rotation. So it still is quite hard to get 15 players out. But even, I mean, even if you get 14 on a bench boost, you have a good chance of doing well. So yeah, it's, you know, well done to, to people who did well last week. And, I mean, and it's, it's certainly, if if it lines up again in, an, in, a, in a single game week and my bench looks strong, I'll, I'll be giving it strong, strong consideration. Well, we'll talk about my bench again, because my bench is looking pretty good again this week. I, I, I just, I mean, it's the penalty save, isn't it, from Foster? I mean, you've got a bit of a gift in the 4 million goalkeeper anyway. And then you're not expecting much against Arsenal. And then he gets a, you know, he gets a clean a penalty save in that. I mean, there's a hell of a lot of luck. Because, I mean, for, for me, for example, I would only have had Livermento coming in with points if Foster hadn't made, made that penalty save. And then I'm looking at, what, like a 11, 12 point bench boost. And it feels like it's a massive, you know, waste of the chip. Whereas you get, you just got to get lucky and hit that, that hole. But it's so hard to predict. Yeah, exactly. I mean... <laughs> there's going to be a lot of weeks, yeah. I think there's going to be a lot of weeks where we have the strong benches and it's just that fear, isn't it, of, of getting 15 out. But it, I think the bench boost chip anyway, it's a, it's a very overvalued it. chip. It's, it's, it's one of the best things about using it is just getting it out of the way, yeah. whether you get 10 points or 25 points, because for the rest of the season, once you use your bench boost, you're focused on your starting 11 then because you don't have to worry about having decent players on your bench. So yeah, I'm all, I'm all for getting it out of the way at some point, even if it is a single game week when when things line up nicely for your 15 players. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's a chip that's hard to kind of work out how effective it's been because the other chips, you can just add them to your score and, and pretty much get a, you know, get a good sense of it. But the bench boost, if you've had to wildcard before or plan your team around getting these 15 out, you wonder how many points you might have lost by taking hits and extra transfers, you know, not putting all your money into your starting 11, having to get a strong bench just for that chip. So... Yeah, not my, not my, not my favourite. Um, but yeah, anyway, 75 for me, up to 9K in the world. Never been this high at this stage of the season. Um, onwards to the top 1K, I guess, hopefully. Uh, we'll talk about some of our moves um, in a bit. You had a decent week as well. You're right behind me, 34K, 64 points this week. Do you want to just go for your team for the podcast listeners? Yeah, we've kind of been following the same trajectory over the mm. past couple of game weeks. I just need to get that one last push to try and get closer to the end of those rankings. So yeah, for the podcast listeners, Ramsdale on goal with seven, Trent and Cancelo did the business at the back, Chilwell two-pointer, Salah captain with 10, Son blanked, Mbumo blanked, Rafinha with nine, so glad I've held on to him. Up front, nothing as usual, Antonio, Vardy and Tony getting five points between them. And then don't look at the bench, please. You know, Foster <laughs> 11, Livermento six, Ben White with eight, and Brown Hill with one. Yeah, it's about it's about 26. I haven't got the calculator right, but it's 25 or 26 points. So overall, good game week. Yeah, 64 points. I played the wild card game week eight. Uh, and I think it's four green arrows on the bounce since then. So it was mm. a successful wild card. But happy with my squad. But as, as I'm sure we'll talk about later, there's a lot of players that are not there that I would like to have. Players like Reese James, Phil Foden. Jota, Harry Kane. So there's lots of choice at the moment. There is indeed. And you've got Tony and, and Bomo who have, I mean, everyone's hoping for points against Norwich. Of course, didn't deliver even slightly. We're going to be talking about Tony a bit. There's there's only one striker that's really worse than 
Ivan Tony, and it's a certain Harry Kane on this on the stats. Just to give a bit of a spoiler as to what's coming up. Uh, you've gone Son. You've moved early uh, for him. You can't have been very impressed with what you saw against Everton, but hopeful for returns in the next games, right? Yeah, it was a it's a fixture spec release. So what I did last week was I had two free transfers. And I basically had a choice. I could have just did one free transfer and did Diaz to Reese James and carried the other free transfer. And I kind of regret not doing that now. Instead, I used the two free transfers, got rid of Diaz and Mason Mount uh, and brought in Son and Ben White. So obviously just one free transfer now. Son disappointing, but again, it's it wasn't a one-week transfer in. He's got Tottenham have good fixtures, you know, next four or five game weeks. So I'm hopeful that Hyungman's son will do the business. But, you know, it's, I've been doing a lot of kind of reflecting on those moves during the international break, and I moved away from four big defenders. I've moved kind of back to a 3-4-3 now. And part of me is thinking, I'm not sure if that was the best idea, because I've been talking all mm. season about how these big defenders are doing so well. I could have just did Diaz to Reese James, stuck with four at the back. So, you know, spoiler alert for my transfers, but one of the reasons I'm leaning towards banking this week is I feel like I might need to move back to four at the back. So, yeah, uh, again, just hopeful that Son will do the business over the coming game weeks. And and if I don't get Reese James, hopefully he gets a, gets a few benches. Yeah. Uh, Sneezer Lasagna in the chat says, keep it simple, general, on a heavy stats podcast. Uh, this will be interesting. I think we're both, I mean, Mark is, Mark is very stats, very, very statsy. I'm moderately statsy, but much more eye test. And I think that's, we kind of, well, we kind of disagree a little bit on, on some things. I, I I go with my gut on, on some things, which, I mean, he does much better than me, so maybe it isn't the right attitude. But what's your kind of take on, on such? How much do you use stats, like, generally in your in your decisions? Yeah, I'm very much eye test first. I've always, it's just always been the way I've played the game. I've enjoyed, you know, watching lots of Premier League games. You know, initially, before I took FPL very seriously, it was always just match of the day on the weekends. And basing decisions off that, you know, six or seven minute clip of, of each game from each game week. And then it's kind of, even though I, you know, I work full time now in FPL, it's still very much watch as many games as possible. You know, I watch every game that's televised in the UK. So it's probably five games a week. You know, I'll record some of them, watch them on Monday or Tuesday when, when my wife's at work and kind of analyze them that way. And it's, you know, I don't really look at the stats until after I've watched the games. It's, I think it would be silly to just watch games and, and not look at stats when you've got them available. You know, it's part of a, you know, bigger all-round picture. You know, you watch the game, you kind of look at the numbers then to, you know, either back up with what you've seen yourself, but it also sometimes makes you realise maybe something you might have missed in the game because, you know, your eyes can play tricks on you as well. You can Mm. see what you want to see and you can, you know, filter out what you don't want to see, you know, in terms of maybe watching players that you own more so than, than players that you don't own. So I think the stats is always a good kind of sanity check on the eye test, um, you know, I, I do look at stats, but I don't lean on them very heavily. Usually my decisions are made from watching the games uh, and it's more just, just kind of, it's more of a glance at the stats every week rather than a deep dive. You know, I do look at them. I, you know, I do find myself looking at expected stats more, th- more than I did a couple of seasons ago. I was quite reluctant and a bit stubborn in a way initially with expected stats because I always thought to myself, if I've done well in FPL without them, you know, why use them now? But slowly I realised, obviously, they can be very useful and very helpful, um, especially for people who don't get to watch as many games as me. I think expected stats are are really good to give you, you know, a picture of what you've missed. Um, but for me, watching games, I think if you can do both, if you can watch lots of games and you look at the numbers, I always think you, you see things in games that you won't see in the stats. You know, a player's at the back posts, 
you know, the midfielder plays it to striker mm. A, could have played it to striker B, doesn't show up in the stats, little things like that. That that's that's what I'm looking out for when I'm watching games because the stats will tell you a lot. But if you can add, you know, you don't have to watch four or five games a weekend either. If you can watch one or two each weekend, you know, maybe try and watch a team this weekend that you didn't watch last weekend, for example. So yeah, very much for me, it's watch as much games as possible and then see what the stats are saying as well. I'm glad you said about expected uh, expected stats because we've got plenty of those uh, coming. I know exactly what you mean about your eyes deceiving you. It's why I always watch Leicester and think James Madison is going to you know, be the player that I'm going to have to bring in. And then I check the stats and go, oh, actually, you need about three touches in the opponent's half and I should probably avoid him again. And then he gets benched and then he plays again. Oh, I, I know I keep going on about James Madison, but there's a, such a player there. <laughs> I'm just You're convinced. His biggest, uh, you're his biggest fanboy. I know. I'm convinced he's going to do well one day, but I don't know if it's going to be for Leicester anymore. Uh, let's take a look at Mark's uh, game week. Mark got 49. He was one of the unfortunate Sanchez owners uh, who got sent off against Newcastle. Obviously expecting points against that, um, but didn't get them. Uh, he had Cancelo uh, and Trent and Chilwell, just like you, 14, 12 and 2. And then Jansen, who he had for Brentford, uh, with great games, but the injury to Raya looks like it's really derailed them defensively. They look completely out of sorts. Uh, he had Salah, Captain, Foden, Son, Mbomo and Jota, all who blanked, uh, and Tony up front who blanked. So he only got two, well, I mean, Salah doesn't even really count. He only got returns from Cancelo and Trent, um, and then the rest of his players blanked. He had Foster and Livermore on the bench, like so many of us, and Antonio and Huang. Uh, but yeah, game rank of 2.4 million for him, and I believe another red arrow. Uh, let's take a look at the great and the good standings. I've gone top, which is a small miracle, uh, up to 9K. I'm uh, about uh, 12 points ahead of Tom Stevenson. I'm 21 points ahead of you. And I'm now 65 points ahead of Mark. <laughs> so, yeah, surely um, I can ride this out. Although, as I mentioned uh, before, Granville was once 100 points ahead of Mark. Uh, and Mark clawed it back over the rest of the season. So I need to make sure uh, that doesn't happen. Um, some of the other interesting things on the great and the good. Uh, so everyone captain Salah. Every single sort of, well, great and good manager uh, went for the easy the easy route. There just didn't really seem to be any any real alternatives uh, last week. What's your take on that? It's a bit dull, isn't it? But do, do you think Spurs can maybe shake things up a little bit going forward with the fixtures they got? Yeah, when I when I seen this graph um, last week from from Greyhead that everyone did captain Salah, I was I was a little bit surprised because it was a difficult fixture against West Ham. We've been very good this season. You know, usually in the great and the good, you've got a few maverick managers in there. You know, mm. people like Magnus who usually, you know, quite often will go for. You know, obviously a couple of weeks ago there was a lot of Havertz on that right hand yep. column, and maybe that was a factor that scarred a lot of people. Maybe that's why people defaulted to Salah. For this game week, even though it was wasn't the easiest fixture on paper, but like you say, Spurs now with the good fixtures, there seems to be a lot of momentum gathering this week. After Harry Kane scored about seventy-two goals during the international break, a lot of people seem to be leaning towards him now. And I think with the fixtures, and given that Salah hasn't been amazing the last two game weeks in terms of FPL points, I think people will start to look elsewhere. I'm slightly tempted myself to start looking elsewhere, mm. but. It's pretty scary. You know, I, I try not to let ownership and things like effective ownership come into my FPL decision-making, but sometimes I think you have to make exceptions. Like you mm. know, when Salah's ownership is at a, an all-time high, um, you know, I, I hate owning a player 
and and as soon as he's on, you know, as soon as the game starts, if you don't captain him, you're you're probably looking at a small red arrow. So yeah, it's it's tricky. I hate. I'm, I'm not a fan of captaincy in FPL, um, and this is a good example of why. When you look at a mini league like the great and the good, and every single manager is captaining the same player, it's just so boring. And I just hope players like Kane and Son, you know, hopefully Lukaku comes back into the mix. Mm. Hopefully Ronaldo with a with an upturn in fixtures in the near future as well. Hopefully it does shake things up because, like you say, it's it's pretty boring and it's quite hard to make up ground uh, if you're if everyone's just captain the same player. Yeah, I think the problem is it's you know from your in some ways it's a gift because all you want from your captain is a reliable trickle of points. I mean, even Salah hasn't been doing amazingly lately, but he's been sort of ticking along with those, you know, assists and obviously then had the big haul against United. But there's no players that I trust this season. Like it's always been in previous seasons, we've always had like a Fernandez or a De Bruyne or a Vardy or just someone else who, I don't know, I feel like could haul. And I, I look at all my attackers and I just think you're all just so unreliable. I don't know what I'm going to get from you in a given week, except for Salah. He's the only one who seems to be consistently putting in like ridiculously attacking performances. Um, and that's why he's, he's so great. So it takes someone really brave at the moment to, to go against that. And Spurs are like the ultimate sort of carrot on a stick, aren't they? Because we just haven't really seen anything from them to make me think they're suddenly going to click. But the fixtures are great. Yeah, it's very hard to, you know, when you've got such a reliable asset like Salah, you know, the Spurs guys in particular, it's, you know, they haven't really shown the form that, you know, you can confidently back them to put in a, a really good performance. You know, we're we're mm. we're hoping that there's going to be a big manager bounce, but it's it's not guaranteed. Um, you know, Leeds next, I think I've been saying the last couple of weeks, you know, Leeds on paper, I think is always one of the best fixtures for attackers. But you know, looking a bit deeper, they actually haven't conceded too many goals recently either, which makes you know gives me a little bit of pause about captain and Son or Kane, Kane this week. I've got Son. I don't have Kane, but I don't think there's much between the two of them anyway, which I'm sure, which mm. I'm sure we'll talk about soon. But yeah, um, I still think it's probably Salah for me for 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 game week twelve. But yeah, hopefully some of those others give us give us yeah. a decision to make at least with with the captaincy over the busy period. Yep, absolutely. Uh, so ten of the fifteen great and the good managers are in the uh, top hundred uh, k, uh, and then five are outside. So it's 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 different to last year where a lot of sort of these kind of managers struggled um, and it was only kind of late surges from a lot of people that kind of put them into this mark. It feels like the template was so strong at the start and it did so well, that a lot of people have ended up in quite a good position. It doesn't matter if you listen to this, you're not in a particularly good position, but I can't remember a time when sort of so many people that I kind of knew and the Twitter stuff all had a good start. So it, that's a good sign that we can kind of push on um, to kind of bigger and better things. Uh, in terms of team value, uh, I've I'm, I've got the I've got the uh, most expensive squad. I think that's because I've got a huge squad. I mean, I've, I went for Smith Rowe and Imbomo and guys sort of all rotating, and it means points on my bench. But my team value is going up. Uh, yours is one hundred three point four to my one hundred three point seven. Mark's is one hundred three point one. Um, so we're three of the highest. Les Caldwell and Tom Stevenson one hundred three point four and one hundred three point five, and then pretty much everyone else is sort of around the one hundred two sort of one hundred one mark. So in terms of Team value, we're doing quite well. Do you put a lot of stock in that at this stage of the season? You know what? I'm I'm looking. People can probably see me squinting at the screen there. It's because it's the first time. That's the first time I've actually realised what my team value is this season. That tells you what. <laughs> there you much go. Stock, we educate, stock we I put into it. Totally, I totally ignore team value. I don't care what it is. It is what it is. Basically, you know, I I don't look to build team value with early transfers. The only time I really make early transfers is 
you know, maybe in the first week or two of the season when there's no Champions League midweek and stuff like that, it's very mm-hmm. low risk. Or if, you know, I've got, you know, 0.0 million for a transfer, or maybe it's a case of if it comes to a Thursday night, and let's say this week I was doing Vardy to Kane, you know, if, if Vardy was going to drop by 0.1, Kane was going to go up by 0.1. To me, that's a 0.2. It's a change. It's an easy move, especially if it's a Thursday and you're close to the weekend. So, yeah, I've never bothered about team value. Um, I just think I think a lot of people, you know, obsess over it sometimes, mm. which can maybe take away from the core of the game, which which is just simply, you know, getting the players that are going to get you points. You know, as, as Joe famously says, it's it's points over pounds and. So, you know, I totally agree with that. It's, it's the way I've always played the game as well. So, yeah, it's, yeah, to me, if you asked me before we start recording what my team value is, I couldn't, t- I, I wouldn't have <laughs> been able to tell you what it is. So, yeah, it's good. It's good to know. No, to be fair, I, I'm, I'm the same. I, I've got to admit, I do, I, I do put some stock in early transfers, sort of, uh, you know, when you, when you need to. I obviously wouldn't do them before a Champions League game if I can avoid it, but in terms of, you know, when there's a week and I've got the exact money or something like that, then I do think there's a Because some people just don't at all. They will always leave their transfers right until the Friday or the Saturday. But I do think there's some sense in, in building up. But I, I think we, we've had, a, I, think Luke, I think it's Luke who says like there's always a, another solution. So if you can't get the exact player you want, you can always drop down and, and sort of find someone else. And I think that's fair. I, I don't think there's too many times where I can remember being like 0.1 or 0.2 off and being like, oh my God, this has cost me 40, 50, 60 points. There's... You know, you kind of find other players to kind of uh, fit in. Um, right, let's talk. Yeah, one, some... you know, one of my just went, sorry, just yeah, when we're on the, the topic of of team value, one of my favorite ever lines was from from Tom Freeman when he said he's like me, he doesn't bother about team value. He says there's always a solution, and that's that's the way I've always got it. If you're looking at a player and you'd like to get him on Monday, if it comes to Friday and you're priced out, you know there is always other alternatives. And just because a player, in my mind, the way I look at it, just because a player is more expensive doesn't mean they're the better pick. And quite often it's the cheaper guys who, who outperform them anyway. So, um, Ooh, well, yeah. It'd be very interesting to get your take on Kane <laughs> in a bit, who is one of the most expensive players. Uh, yeah, right. Let's talk some stats then. Let's start with uh, some team data. Uh, so we're going to look at defence first. So, well, you know, Black Box and what we do here, we I've just picked out some sort of quite interesting uh, things from the season and over the last four. So season data, Man City and Chelsea unsurprisingly uh, top crystal palace though third uh, for the season despite having the worst run of games to this point 20th on the fixture ticker they've just been absolutely incredible and we'll see on their attacking stats aren't bad either they've now got a decent run of fixtures are they a team that you're thinking of investing in yeah definitely very very impressed with what Patrick Vieira has done in the first 11 games of the season. I think there's, I think they offer options in almost all positions. And I think the most impressive thing is, like you say, the fixtures to start the season were not easy. So given that the fixtures are more favourable now, we should expect, you know, good things from them. There's another really good result in, in game week 11, you know, mm. convincing victory, three points, clean sheet. So I know a lot of people are looking for a Sanchez replacement. Um, I think I think Quaita's right up there as probably the, in the top two or top three replacement options. I think someone like Mitchell as a cheap defender. I know we, we don't really have space for too many defenders this season when, when we've got all the big boys and Livermento. And then Gallagher is just, he's been one of the best players in the league yeah. so far this season. You know, deservedly got his England call up. And he's just, he's kind of a throwback. He, he He's all over the pitch. He just seems to have that brilliant knack of just arriving at the right time whether it's in the box or at the edge of the box 
But what I like about him, he just he gets right into the six yard box as well. You mm. know, he's 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 a box to box. He's I don't know where he gets his energy from because he, he never stops. <laughs> and then you've got Zaha, who's a nice differential as well. You know, Vieira seems to be getting a tune out of him as well, you know, probably on penalties. I'm not too keen on Edwards or Benteke because they don't always play 90 minutes, either of them. You know, we've seen Benteke, I don't think he started in the in the Manchester City fixture. But yeah, certainly Gallagher and Zaha, I think, are really, really attractive. And you know, I think Kuwait is a good option there as well. Yeah, it's, it's, the trouble is, when we, Mark and I mentioned this before, it's, you know, having, defensive-wise, this we're all on these premium assets, aren't we? Cancelo, Trent, James, Chilwell, um, all, all looking so good. And so it's hard to find room for the likes of Mitchell or, you know, these kind of guys. They're just not as kind of sexy options, are they? But I mean, the, the stats do indicate there's going to be some clean sheets coming for them. So if we do see a time when we're going to be pulling money out of defence, I think Palace are going to be a, ty- a team that we target because they're all so cheap. Yeah, I think the issue with the Palace defenders is they're very unsexy picks. They don't offer much going forward. You know, Anderson, Gway, Joel Ward, Mitchell, they don't scream attacking returns to you. You could, you know, it wouldn't surprise me come into the season and they've only got maybe five attacking returns between them. They're probably as boring as it gets when it yeah. comes to attacking. Well, you've got Ben Wines, you're not far off. Yeah, well, at least at least he's on my bench most weeks, you know. <laughs> yeah, I think, you know, I, I think during this busy period, if you are... You know, maybe if you're like me and you've you've only got three big defenders now or three expensive defenders, you, you do have maybe the Liveramento plus one. You know, maybe if you if you don't want to, you know, for example, if you're on Ramsdale and you don't want to double up with Ben White, then someone like Mitchell is probably a good option. I think he is the the option I prefer from their back four. I think you know he, he does get forward. He's got a good left foot, so there mm. there could be a few assists there. But again, there's there's probably not much between them. Um, I just can't bring myself to, to no, buy Joel Warren in FPL. I, I know what you mean. Uh, look at Man City at the top though. 148 minutes uh, per expected goal conceded non-penalty. I mean, the next is Chelsea with 97 and then down to Palace, 91. I mean, City, you just, I mean, they're 15th on the ticker as well. So they, you know, over the season. So they they haven't had the easiest run um, of, of games, but they, they just, you just can't create chances against them. Yeah, and I, and I knew it would happen. I knew as soon as I saw Diaz, Playing against Manchester United, and it was almost a clean sheet locked in as, as soon as I got rid of him. But I think with Diaz, I just got a little bit bored of having you know the double city defence. They, I think I got both of them on the wild card, and then they they conceded in three games in a row. And Diaz, most likely, it's six or seven points or two points when you've got more exciting picks. You know, Reese James, who I probably should have brought in, or just moving the cash into midfielder or up front felt felt better to me at the time. But yeah. I think if if you're on the likes of of you know Cancelo, one of the best players in the game, you, you do not sell him. If you're still on Diaz, I think he's a totally fine pick, especially mm. now when we get into the busy period. He's probably going to play every game. But I'm quite interested in John Stones as well. It's in, it's going to be interesting to see if he can keep his place now. Mm. You know, Laporte Laporte was suspended, so he came in. If he plays well, you know, hopefully, I think he's only five point three million. So if he can lock down that starting place like he did last season, and he showed he's got goal threat as well. You know, it, it could be a, a nice cheap route into the city defence. Yep. Uh, Spurs are down there on 13th, uh, 19th on the ticker so far. So they've they've had a pretty tough run, but, you know, kind of mid-table. But when hey, looking over the last four, they've actually improved defensively quite a lot. They're up to fifth um, and they were 16th on the ticker. So the fixtures, you know, haven't, haven't been amazing, but there's clearly some defensive improvements with them. Uh, I mean, it was a mad game in the Europa Conference League with Conte's first game in charge and the second game against Everton couldn't be more different. No chances, 
you know, really solid, both teams and well, just a really dull, boring game. So you kind of don't really know what we're going to get with them at the moment. And Leeds has the potential for anything, right? It could be a four all or it could be a nil-nil. It's both teams are so unpredictable. Yeah, when it comes to Spurs defenders, I watched that UEFA Conference League and you know, first half, you're thinking, wow, you know, Regulon, Emerson Royale, these guys are going to be absolute monsters. Then you watch the second half and they were just absolutely all over the yep. place defensively. So I think Regulon and Emerson Royale are quite attractive options, if, especially for those who are going to go very heavy in defense. If you're going to go, you know, some people will even go five wing backs now at this point, mm. uh, maybe fit in one of the Spurs guys. But to me, it's still very much, you're, you're kind of backing them for attacking returns more so in clean sheets, you know, even against Leeds, you know, I'm hoping Rafinha is going to, going to nick one in that game. So yeah, I think Conte probably needs a little bit more time until we see them churning out clean sheets. I think the issue there is, and it has been for a while at Tottenham, there's there's always a lot of chopping and changing at centre-back. You know, he really needs to nail down which three he's going to play, play them every week. Uh, and, and I still think he needs to sign better quality centre-backs as mm. well. So I think that is a, it's a weak area of the squad, which which I think most people probably agree with anyway. So yeah, Emerson and, and Regulon look great, but it's probably not going to be too many clean sheets. I love a wing-back, Mark. I love a wing back so much. I, I'm I'm half tempted just to go four wing backs, five wing backs, get them all. Uh, yeah, I mean we are we are going to talk quite a lot about Son and Kane, but I'm I've been most impressed with Royale. I think he's he's been the one that looks like he's going to be the one that's tasked with being the kind of main creative hub of, of the side. Because I mean they're going to have to use Regulon and, and him to create service for Kane because no one else in the team can do it. So. Can he tighten them up? He's he's got a good record of of tightening teams up. Conte has he got the players to do it? You talk about the centre back, that's a bit debatable. But I think with this run of games, I think with everyone flocking to Son and Kane, I think those two wing backs could be overlooked a fair bit. Yeah, you know, I, I watched a lot of Tottenham in the early part of the season under under Nuno, and then I watched the, the two games under Conte recently, and it's it's almost like they've taken Emerson Royale under Nuno taken him out of the team and replaced him with his twin brother because yeah. he looks like a totally different player. He looks really, really good. You know, he's obviously suited to the wing back position more than a, you know, more uh, traditional right back. Um, and yeah, he su- he surprised me most in the two games so far. You know, I thought, you know, it's going to be all about Regulon down the left, but Emerson was really good going down the right as well. And quite often they were combining, you know, Regulon mm. was swinging balls in and Emerson was arriving, you know, in the six yard box. I think he had a chance that it can head off his knee or something and went over the crossbar from a Regulon cross. And then you had the one Kane put in a brilliant cross for Regulon who should have scored and, and blazed it over. So if those two are going to be arriving in those positions, they're almost like, you know, a light version of Chilwell yeah. and Reese James at Chelsea. So I, I had a question from someone today about, about they were wildcarding this week and they were saying they were very tempted to get five wingbacks. And it's very hard to say it's, it's, not, a, it's not a good idea because it, it looks great at the moment. Uh, it might look a bit strange setting up with, you know, five defenders that are over five million. Mm. Uh, if if you want to leave Livermore out of it uh, and go really after those wing backs, but um, I think it's totally viable. Given, you know, I think it's very important in FPL. You've got to move with the seasons, and this season, so far, it's the season of the wing backs. Yeah, I mean, you'd have what? Right? You'd have Trent, Cancelo, James, Chilwell, and then one of Regulon and and Royale. I mean, it's not bad, is it? And they're all that sounds six, amazing. Yeah, they're all six million ish. You think you know we've got like Embomo. There, you know, people might be still holding on to Saar. You know, Rafina as well is doing well, but 
would you be surprised to see any of those five mentioned outscore him over, over the foreseeable future? I don't think so. I think it's completely feasible. There's, there's so it's, it's a weird season because there's so many options and there's so few premium options as well that kind of experimenting and doing a few things we might not have done before might be, might be the way to go. Yeah, I think especially those of us who've been playing the game for a long time, you know, 10 years, 15 years, it's it's probably harder for us to adjust yeah. to maybe someone who's only been playing for for a year or two. But certainly, I always try and just play the season that's in front of me. And that's quite why I kind of regret moving away from the four to four big defenders last week. And, um, you know, if, if they all look good again this weekend, for example, if Reese James looks good again and gave me 12, I'm just going to revert, you know, reverse the decision and go back to four at the back uh, along yeah. with Livermento, I think. Uh, so for some teams, so uh, Southampton top for the last four games. I mean, they were they had the second best fixtures um, on the ticker, but they are 140 minutes per xG uh, conceded non penalty. You talk about um, Vieira doing a good job at Palace, but I mean Hasenhutl's another rebuild job at Southampton after losing kind of two key players in Vestergaard and Ings, and they're they're just going into games full of confidence now. They've got options up front. They're keeping clean sheets at the back. They're a team which quite a few people are still avoiding, but there might be some options there as well, right? Yes, I think it's, again, it's it's taken me a little bit of time to adjust my thinking on Southampton. Yeah. From, for the last couple of seasons, it's been my first thought when it comes to Southampton is very weak defensively, you know, avoid their defenders. And we got Livermento at 4 million, but we didn't really expect Southampton mm-hmm. to perform well defensively. The clean sheets are a bonus in many ways because we got Livermento initially or his attacking potential. You know, you look at the Southampton team, it looks out of shape at times. You know, Kyle Walker-Peters playing over at left back. Yeah. Salisha didn't have a good start to Southampton career, but now he's playing well. Bednarek, I wouldn't call him a top-class defender, but Ralph is getting a tune out of them. And, and yeah. what I liked from, I was watching the match of the day highlights uh, today from, from game week 11, and, and there was comments from Hasenhutl specifically on the defence after the game about having worked on it, you know, and he, and he was saying that we are much better defensively now, which he's much, you know, he's very happy with. So that bodes well for, for those of us who do have, have Livermento. And again, you know, if maybe if you don't have Livermento and you do have Robert Sanchez, McCarthy is, is another option. You know, if, if you're, if you hate missing out on the Livermento points when everyone gets them, you know, another way to get them is, is through, through McCarthy and those clean sheets as well. Yep. Absolutely. Uh, at the other end of the table though, you've got Watford, well, Everton, Watford and, and United. Uh, they're the worst over the last four. Uh, Everton, though, I mean, fifth on the ticker um, over the last four. They've had good games and just not delivered at all. Watford just looked like the whipping boys. But United, I mean, United, 20th over the last four. Bottom of the, you know, worst in division. Worse than Norwich, Newcastle, Watford. It's an absolute shambles at the back for, for Man U. And, yeah, I mean, what do you make of it? You're, you're a United fan, aren't you? Yeah, I was trying to let that slip yeah, by without you. I, re- I remember. It. It's very, very depressing to see us 20th in a Premier League table of any kind. It just simply shouldn't happen, ever. Um, it's a complete shambles. I, I still can't believe how bad a pick Luke Shaw was to begin the season. He was one of my must-have picks, undervalued season keeper. I think he scored about 13 points over the first eight game weeks or something. Absolutely I avoided crazy. him, yeah, Mark. Elite, elite. Yeah, players. you were. You were one of the very few brave souls to <laughs> but, go without him. But for uh, Sue found that who absolutely bombed. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Got me nothing. Yeah, I was gonna. I was gonna say that's probably why you're ahead of me in the rankings is because you didn't have Shaw, but you had Sue Fowl, so you no, didn't capitalise even slightly. 
but yeah, obviously stay away from Manchester United defenders until things improve. It's just a, it's a total shambles there. And yeah, it's very depressing reading, looking at that chart. So mm. hopefully you're going to move to the next one soon. <laughs> yeah, well, just the final thought on that is obviously there's a good fixture run coming for United very soon. We're game week 15. Uh, I've seen some people already talking about, should we be thinking about Lindelof and, and De Gea and these kind of guys? And th- there's no one that I, I wouldn't back to score against them at the moment. And these stats just prove it. It's, it's awful. It's absolutely terrible. It's awful. And De Gea is cheaper than he's ever been. You know, De Gea was a 6 million goalkeeper a couple of seasons ago. And even now at 5 million, he doesn't even come into the conversation because we're just, we're just that bad defensively. And again, you've got to play the season in front of you. United are a bottom five defence so far this season. So yeah, just stay away. Yep, absolutely. Let's look at some attack data then. Uh, so over the season, Liverpool and City and Chelsea are top not too surprising there. West Ham in fourth, though, having absolutely unbelievable season. Uh, right down the bottom in 19th is Spurs. I mean, you talk about United being poor defensively. For Spurs to be 19th at this point with the quality they've got is absolutely, that just blows my mind. Absolutely blows my mind. The only team um, that's doing worse than them is, is Norwich. Uh, they've got a, a minutes for expected goal non-penalty of 99 minutes. So they're not creating a kind of a clear chance in a match. <laughs> and they've got Harry Kane and Son up front. And yet we're all thinking of getting in on them. Yeah, it's a nice it's a nice reality check, I think, to, to look at this because we've got to remember what, what they've been like so far this season. And, and people, it always happens in an international break if a certain player bangs in four or five goals against extremely weak opposition people start turning their heads and think, right, mm. Kane's back, but you know he's not going to be playing those kind of teams. I know he's got good fixtures, but it's not the calibre of opposition that he was playing during the international break. I think the big thing people need to remember about England is when Kane plays with England, he's got quality all around the pitch supplying him um, with those chances. Whereas I think with Tottenham, they lack a little bit of that creativity in midfield. I think that's one of the biggest issues for, for Conte there as well. So yeah, it's, you know, if you're buying Kane, or if you're buying Sun this week, it's very much a fixtures pick. And, you know, I, I do subscribe to the idea that, you know, good fixtures can bring good form. And, and if at any point of the season, if Kane is going to get himself going, it's probably going to be over these next couple of game weeks. And I know the, the opposition was weak and you should take it with a pinch of salt. But I think when it's a striker, you know, it's confidence is so important. And, and it doesn't matter who you're scoring against. You know, if, if Kane's down the park scoring against his mates or if he's scoring against, you know, the likes of San Marino, it's it's going to build confidence. And I don't know why, and there's no logic behind it, but I just have a feeling that Kane is going to do well over these yep. coming game weeks with the fixtures. Um, I'm probably not going to own him. Uh, maybe that's a bit of FOMO there as well. But yeah, something's telling me that the, the stars are just going to align with the fixtures and with Conte and that he is going to start banging in the goals again. So I can understand why people are doing it and it's going to be very interesting to see how it plays out because it's going to go one of two ways. He's going to be amazing and we're going to talk about captaining him again or he's going to continue to be an absolute disastrous pick mm. for, for 12 million. Sure, surely he can't carry on being as bad as, as bad as he is. I mean, he's obviously such a talented player. You look at the goals he scored. Um, I mean, I know, okay, San Marino and Albania, but you look at the Albania goals he scored and they were all different varieties. You know, no one's doubting the quality that he's got. It's just... I guess, motivation and the service that he's getting um, around him. Yeah, really interesting. Um, I want to touch on West Ham, though. I mean, West Ham have, uh, were 
19th on the ticker last four, and they're third in terms of minutes per XG non-penalty, 52.9, only better by City, 50.3, and Liverpool, 38.9, who are sort of streaks ahead in terms of attacking potential. But potentially with some injuries, Mane and uh, a slight doubt, uh, Robertson as well, could Simakas kind of come back in? But West Ham, though, I mean, David Moyes, and when he took over, I put 50 quid on him to get sacked first. I think he was on like a six-month contract or something. And their first five games were literally like City, Chelsea, Liverpool, United. I thought there's absolutely no way he's going to survive this. And I mean, what he's doing there, I mean, the, the, the performance against Liverpool, again, was just absolutely incredible. And we're going to talk about Bowen in a bit more detail as well. But there's also Fournals, who's playing kind of out of his skin. Antonio hasn't been getting the points, but he's still had chances. I mean, he had one where he was through on goal and just sort of fell over his own feet. He could easily have, have slotted that in. But lots of people are, are moving off West Ham. But is there maybe a case for looking at their attack in a bit more detail and, and bringing in, maybe considering the likes of Bowen? Yeah, they're just, they're just such a good side. And we need to get into our heads that they are top a top four side at the moment. Mm. Uh, and you're getting players in FPL from a top four side that are extremely cheap. Uh, we, know what, we know about Antonio, like you say, the points haven't been there, but in terms of the eye test, I think the performance have been good. He's always there or thereabouts. You know, he's playing the, the third pass rather than the, the assist. He's always heavily involved in the attacking play. So I have no doubt the goals will flow again for Antonio. Obviously, the big one is we just hope he stays fit over this busy mm-hmm. period. Um, but yeah, Jared Bowen is, you know, he's the big one, I think. I've added him to my watch list this week. I think he's the pick of the midfielders now. I think he's just got lots of different avenues to points. He's got the set pieces. I think he got the assist for for Zuma's goal uh, from the corner. Just a brilliant delivery. Such a good left foot. And if Antonio does end up getting injured at some point, Bowen is usually the one who goes through the middle. So you've got yourself an out-of-possession option there as well. So given that a lot of people have Antonio, you know, you're probably not gaining much from him when he does score. So if you want to, you know, gain something from the West Ham attack, you probably do need to double up. Um, I think a lot of us stepped away from Ben Rama when the fixers got trickier, which was which worked out okay. But I still think he's a good option as well. Uh, I think between Bowen, Fornals and Ben Rama, there's very little between them. On any given game week, any of them can score 10 plus points. So we're kind of spoiled for choice in the West Ham midfield. And I, I do find it quite hard to you know pick one out of the three. Mm. Uh, and Bowen just slightly edges it for me at the moment. So yeah, no, no issues for me with Antonio. I, I wouldn't really care if he if he blanked five in a row, which he might have done, um, because the performances are good. West Ham are great, and Antonio's just such a good striker. Yep, completely agree. Antonio's going nowhere from from my side. Uh, just point out a couple of these other ones. I mean, Brentford are, are fourth. Uh, you know, everyone's really gone off their assets. I mean, the performance against Norwich was awful. We so many of us went hard on 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 the Brentford assets, and there were two good games in the last two. But the 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 chances have been there, just they haven't taken them. Um, at all. We've all been left frustrated. Um, I want to talk about Leeds as well. Leeds are down in 18th. They had the third best fixtures over the last four. Um, but that right down in 18th, they're being literally dragged to results by Rafina single-handedly. I mean, it's he's 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 done better than I thought he would. Um, I didn't really know if he could make the step up to this kind of consistent FPL performer, you know, that's kind of kicking on. But where would they be without him? Yeah, they would be in trouble. Without him, I mean, Rafinha's a tricky one. I've I've had him basically all season. I think I sold him for a short period when he was injured, and I got him straight back with the wild card. And he and he's 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 the player in your squad if you own him 
you know, when you've got, you know, attractive assets like Jota now with Firmino out and Foden at City, you know, it's it's kind of that spot in your midfield that you need to decide, is it worth keeping Rafinha when Leeds are pretty poor, mm. but he is carrying them? Or do you go for a player from a better team? And it's a tricky one. I, and it often crosses my mind, you know, can I sell Rafinha? But then I just watch him or I watch the highlights from the last game and he literally is their attack and he's just so direct. And it, at the end of the day, he's just such a good player. And in any game, in any fixture, he can get something. And he's got, you know, he's got those avenues as well with 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 corners and, and free kicks. And it was a free kick again. Yep. He just went straight in uh, in the last <laughs> game. I think that's the second time that happened this season. So, you know, five goals in 11. I don't even know if it's 11 because he might have missed one or two through injury and, and been away in Brazil and stuff. It's for whatever he was, about 6.5 million at the start of the season. I still think it's, it's excellent value. So for me, he's a keeper as well. I think he's one of those players during this busy spell. You don't need to worry too much about rotation because... They simply have to play him exactly. because they don't have anyone else. That's that's exactly what I was going to say. That's what I like about him. I, th- I think we're seeing him make the step up to elite elite player. I think we we always knew last year that he had potential to to do it, and I think now we're we're seeing it. I, I would be absolutely amazed if they can keep hold of him past the summer. Because he reminds me, big club's going to come calling for him. Yeah, for sure. He remi- he reminds me of. Um, I remember in game week one in the Leicester title winning season, I was I was down to my fifteenth pick in my team. And I was sitting with my with my auntie Mary picking our teams for the season, and and I said to her, "Let's go for Mares. He's five point five million. Mm-hmm. He looked decent at the end of the previous season, Ooh. and you know, owned him for thirty eight game weeks. And you know, Rafinha reminds me of Mares. Quite similar players, but I think Rafinha can be even better. Yeah. I think I think the sky's the limit for Rafinha. I think he can be one of the best players in the world. So it's it's exciting to see where he can go. And as long as he's about six point five million in FPL, I think he's going to stay in my team. One of the best players in the world. Big, big words, Mark. Very big words. Uh, final team I want to pick on uh, here is Newcastle. Uh, obviously, Eddie Howe's come in now. Uh, we're seeing a bit of a shake-up. Obviously, Dean Smith's gone to Norwich, who are also terrible on the attacking data. But Newcastle are bottom by quite some margin. 198.9 per expected goal non-penalty. Compare that to Liverpool with 38.9, uh, for example. I mean, Howe's got a hell of a job to keep Newcastle up. I think we all know that. Bottom of the league. Bottom, pretty much bottom of all of these different metrics that we look at or near the bottom um do you think we're going to see how start to get more out of players like fraser and wilson and, and st maximan or do you think he's going to adopt a kind of a safety first more defensive approach because they can see too many goals and they don't score enough goals so he, he's got <laughs> how do you address both um especially you know with the, with the january transfer window quite a while away extremely difficult job i mean He's got to fix the attack. He's got to fix the defence, but he's got a lot of buying average players to work with as yeah. well. You know, the January transfer window can come soon enough. So I think initially I'm not in a, I don't really have much interest in Newcastle at all to begin with until they get some better players through the door. And, and you know, let's see how he gets on to begin with. I think Wilson, at least he does have some good attackers. You know, Wilson is proven and he's proven under Eddie Howe as well at Bournemouth. So I like, I do like him. He's got the penalties. So Maximin, we know, is a very good player. But after that, there's not a huge amount of talent in that squad and, and not a huge amount of creativity in midfield either. So, yeah, not a, you know, Wilson's on my watch list. He's probably the only one I'm interested in. Um, St. Maximin, maybe we'll come back into our thinking, but I think it's hard to go St. Maximin over Wilson when Wilson mm. has the penalties and he's just a, you know, a much better you know, striker. He's more proven. So yeah, not a huge amount of interest there apart from from Callum Wilson. Are we going to see Fraser assist, Wilson goal, Wilson goal, Wilson assist, Fraser I goal? Think it's, 
I think it's inevitable. It's, it's going to happen. <laughs> you know, hopefully they've put their their differences behind them from their time at Bournemouth. Well, that's that's it. That's really interesting, that isn't it? Because how? Because um, Fraser refused to play, didn't he? Because they came back after COVID and his contract was winding down, and he obviously wanted to keep himself, you know, available to move to a new club. And they had a big falling out, and they really needed him during that relegation battle and it's really interesting that he's got house come back in phrase must be thinking oh god i wish i'd been a bit nicer when 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 was around um i I like wilson i think wilson could could you know enter back into our thinking he's just one of those players just always seems to get something doesn't he He always manages to find a way to sneak a goal even when newcastle are poor so if how can improve him a little bit and get a little bit more out of some of these players you know shelby can come in and you know he can start um, almiron hopefully a bit of creativity from him we might start seeing wilson um well, do a bit better, but so injury prone as well. I'm just thinking of Ivan Tony because he's been so poor looking for players around the 6.5 mark. I do wonder if maybe under Wilson, um, under how Wilson's going to be slightly better. But yes, we will see. Uh, let's talk about some player data then. Um, I've focused on some, some players kind of at the bottom um, of this. This is player data over the season, uh, filtered by minutes per XGI, expected goal involvement, uh, non penalty. Uh, so Mares is top, which he always is. He's always top of these lists, but you can never bring him in because he never plays. Uh, Firmino's next. He's injured till mid-December, so that doesn't really help us. Let me look at some names we can think. You know, everyone's got Salah. He's third. Uh, Mane's there. He's, his underlying stats are incredible, but he's so much money. Uh, you've got Mount, which is pretty much all off the back of that one performance uh, against Norwich. Um, Antonio's there. Now, Ronaldo is an interesting one. Um, I know a few people in the chat are talking about Ronaldo looking at United attacking numbers. They're not particularly good, but it's Watford next. It's a good run of games from 15. I'm tempted to bring in Ronaldo this week and captain him. What do you think about that? I don't think it's crazy. Um, <laughs> I think for feel, people who are crazy, cons- I think for people who are considering bringing Harry Kane in this week and maybe captaining him, I think if you're going, if you're thinking along those lines, you've got to think, in similar terms with Ronaldo, because it is, it's a great fixture against Watford. I think when it comes to Ronaldo versus Kane, though, Kane feels better for the next maybe three or four game weeks. Mm. Whereas with Ronaldo, maybe it feels a little bit more short term because, but then you could jump on Ronaldo this week, get the captain points, hopefully, and then maybe move to Kane the following week if Kane looks good this weekend. So yeah, it's not, I wouldn't stop someone from doing it. That's that's good to know. I mean, the, the we talked about benches a bit earlier. I mean, that's kind of the thinking with the bench I've got is that, I can move to Ronaldo. Then if I do get an injury somewhere else, I've got the kind of squad to absorb it for one week and then I can move to Kane. I don't really want Ronaldo against Chelsea, but then it is back against Salah again in a home game uh, when they're, we've just seen their attacking stats are, are the best in the league. Uh, so yeah, it does, it does feel like a risk, but it's one, as we're going to see, we're going to see the captain's matrix a bit later. There just seems so few opportunities to back against Salah. And Arsenal have improved a lot and Liverpool have these kind of injuries just potentially with, with Manny out and, and Robertson. So maybe this is the week to, to roll the dice. Uh, it's all about nine and 10. So Gundogan's right up there, 135. He was fairly popular at the start of the season. Obviously a brilliant pick last year, but I haven't seen, don't see many teams at the moment, but his stats are right up there with, you know, top 10 levels. Everyone's got Foden. Everyone's going for Cancelo. Is, is Gundogan someone you think you could put against them or is you just not really considering him? When it comes to eye test, watching Man City this season, Gundogan often passes the eye test mm. for me. He gets into really good positions and I'm surprised 
he's only got was it two goals so far because how often he gets into good positions he probably should have more than that and to me he still it feels like he's still getting into the positions he was getting in last season when he was scoring all those goals and I think he got three for Germany during the international break as well so he's he's more of a goal scorer than he was maybe earlier in his career or, or at least that I know of him being you know what in his early days at City he, he very rarely scored so I think he's a player he's kind of bubbling under the surface and, and he could explode soon I do still think Foden is the go-to mm. City midfielder if you don't have one Cancelo is obviously probably the best pick from City but if you're looking for a for a third one or if you're looking to do something different uh, I do I do like Gundogan the, the issue is the odd benching you know I think he was benched a couple of games back because uh, I remember I added him to my watch list and then he was benched the very few game after that which is why I kind of gone off him but again he's I think he's he's, he's a decent option but I think there's probably at least seven or eight better midfield mm. options at the moment. What about Jota then? So Jota's next on the list, always does well um, on these lists when he plays. We assume he's going to be in the team now right until mid-December, but then it's the African Cup of Nations just after that. So he's going to be in the team you know, for even longer. I did a video for Scout looking at some of his points last season and his stats. He's not a particularly explosive option. He, he ticks over, which is kind of the opposite of what I thought he was. Um, he very rarely actually hits double digit points. I don't think he got any um, last season when he played over 45 minutes. Uh, he got, I think he got one when he, he played like 26. We got two goals against Arsenal. Um, he's had one already this season as well against United, but he's kind of a bit of a steady Eddie, which isn't the worst thing in the world for like a 7.5 million midfielder. Do you put him in like essential bracket or do you just think he's like a decent option or are you, he's a frustrating one. What kind of, what do you think? What's your thoughts on him? Yeah, certainly not essential, but I think a lot more attractive now that Firmino's confirmed. It's, it sounds like mid-December, which is which is a lot of games in terms of FPL at this stage of the season. You could get five or six game weeks mm. before before Firmino's back. So I think that makes Jota very, very attractive. I'm probably, I don't think I've owned him at all yet this season because I had Shimakas at the start, but I'm, he's very, he's probably in my top three targets now, top three or four targets, you know, due to the, the Firmino injury. It's just, it's FPL at, at its simplest. You know, he plays for the one of the best two teams in the league and he's very, very cheap. I know he's been very disappointing so far this season, but I try not let that come into my thinking. You know, a lot of those performances where, you know, 67, 70-minute performances are coming off the bench when it can be hard to get into games and stuff like that. I, I just think if he gets a run of five or six starts, he's going to get points. And, and like you say, he's... He's been a steady Eddie so far. He's going to tick along, but he's he's a he's a steady Eddie that has huge potential as mm. well to be an explosive player. Um, so yeah, I'm I'm eyeing him up in the near future for sure. Yep. Uh, going a bit further down this, I mean Gallagher's doing well, 24th on the list. We talked about him earlier, four goals, four assists. Uh, Reese James is just after him. Uh, I mean, you know, you, you've got those kind of guys who are ridiculous cheap, and then we start looking at some of these other players. Vardy, 29th. Uh, expected goal involvement every 188.7 minutes. Really poor. He's been rubbish, <laughs> rubbish for a while. We'll look at him in, in forwards in a bit. But I mean, I bought him in and managed just like I always do with Vardy. But he, he goes on these purple patches and he stops and he's just done for ages. And if you don't catch it just right with him, it can completely mess you up. But 29th for Vardy, but then 40 seconds for Son. 208.8. He's got four goals, two assists, but there's 41 players uh, doing better than him in terms of these kind of expected metrics. Then we go down to 65th, Ivan Tony, 251. And I thought, God, that's terrible. That's got to be like the worst of all the popular 
players. Oh no, because after him in 68th place is Harry Kane with one goal, one assist, an expected goal involvement, non-penalty every 259.6 minutes. That is absolutely shocking. Would you ever have thought at the start of the season? I mean, I know things were bad with the, with the Man City sort of thing that didn't go through, but would you, would you have thought he'd be 68th on the list for expected goal involvement? No chance. I think that's, of all the stats on the show so far, that is by far and away the most shocking one. I know Manchester United being 20th is not great either, but Kane to have even just the simple start of one goal after 11 game weeks for a player of his quality who takes penalties, who plays for a, a pretty decent side. Yes, they haven't been good this season, but yeah, it's, again, it's when you simplify FPL, he's 12 million quid. He scored one goal this season. You know, why are we rushing to get him? If we're going to play the season that's in front of us, he's not the Harry Kane he was four or five years ago. So why are we paying 12 million for him? Especially when we're going to captain Salah most game weeks. So, yep. um, yeah, again, it's it's why I went for Son. I know Son's not much better in the in the stats there, but at least he's got a lot more attacking returns this mm. season. Uh, and when when I watch games, Son always he always looks sharper. You know, yeah. he's a lot. He's the one running behind. He's the one who's got the pace. Obviously, a brilliant finisher as well. So, yeah, it's um it's hard to make a case for Kane, really. <laughs> this, I mean, there's there's nothing you can't. I just I just don't think you can make a case for him. I think it's 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 a hit and hope. It's just hoping that yeah. he completely changes his season. Um, with the good run of games they've got under the new manager, who has a good history and track record of getting the most out of his kind of front two. I think we're going to see a shift to 3-5-2 um, as well, and he's going to partner Son. Because they need to get another body in midfield. They need to get Ndombele in that team. Um, they, they can't just completely rely on the wing-backs. They can't, they can't play skip when they've got, you know, skip and winks and that. But, you know, they, they just, there's, there's no creativity at all with them. They need to get Lascelles to win, get Ndombele in, have Hoiberg sort of, you know, pulling the strings um, and just get the ball up to those two. But, it's going to be really interesting to see how this, how this develops. I mean, Ivan Tony as well in, in 65th has, has been so, just so incredibly disappointing. I mean, you know, 30 plus goals in the championship. I think we, we, we obviously knew that he wouldn't hit those heights, but I expected him to have five or six goals by this point. I mean, the fixtures have been pretty good and they've been one of the best attacking sides in the league. It's really frustrating. It's really frustrating. You, you showed that chart a wee while ago when Brentford were fourth. Mm. And that's why we all have in Bumo. And Tony, or, or a lot of us have them, Bumo and Tony. And even if you, you you just have one of them, it's probably been the most frustrating part of the season so far is having those guys because the, the underlying numbers are good. Brentford look good in most games that they play. You know, they play in exciting games with, with lots of goals. But yet these two guys are are either hitting the woodwork or in Tony's case, he's just not really playing in the way we expected him to. It's it's a lot of it's a lot of coming deep and, and flicking balls on for him, Bumo. Mm. Who, who can't finish his dinner, which doesn't help things. So, yeah, it's it's frustrating. And I think after this Newcastle game, I think those of us who have double Brentford will certainly be moving down to single Brentford attacker. And before long, we might end up with with none at all. Absolutely. Yep. Uh, the final on this list for the season data is Jao Cancelo, uh, 77th on the list, uh, which is low, especially when you reach James at 25th, uh, Trent at 17th. I think they're the only defenders on this list. So, not necessarily terrible for a defender to be that low down. Obviously, there's midfield and attackers you'd expect to be more involved in goals. But it's just interesting when you look at Trent uh, being 17th on this list, just shows what an incredible season he's having and, and kind of carrying on from the tail end of, of last year. Um, when you look at the player data last four, though, um, it's, uh, it's again, uh, interesting. I mean, Kane doesn't fare much better. He rises up to kind of 35th. Um, Ronaldo 
though, right down there, 44th. Uh, for him, he's just not getting chances at all. I mean, look at Vardy, 75th over the last four for all players over the last four game weeks. I mean, it's just it's just an incredible turnaround for him when he was just banging in goals for fun, completely off the ball. He he's an he's an absolute sell, isn't he? I mean, 450 minutes per expected goal involvement for Vardy. He's in my team. He's got to go. It's almost like Vardy knows when his ownership shoots up in FPL. Mm. Uh, I think he I think he keeps an eye on it or someone lets him know because he knows <laughs> yeah. then when he, he he takes it easy for a couple of games, loads of people are going to sell him this week and you know what's going to happen against Chelsea. It's it's almost a guarantee he'll he'll get a, a soft penalty, he'll stick it in and he'll get two or three bonus points. So he's in my team as well. And it's a tricky one because I've only got one free transfer, mm. which I'll talk about the options later. But for me it's he's probably going to stay. Um it, like you, I never get it right with Vardy. You know, I uh, going back to the title winning season as well. You know, I had Mares from game week one, but I, I avoided Vardy for the most of the season. You know, he scored in 10 or 11 games in a row. And then you bring him in and, and he and he goes quiet. And it was just, you know, I, and he's one of those players, he's so frustrating because he's so hard to hit at the right times. And it's the same with Son. I've 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 rarely hit Son at the right time either. Hopefully, hopefully I'm gonna change that over the next couple of game weeks. But yeah, Vardy. If you can sell them easily this week, you know, if you've got a bit of cash to upgrade or if you've got two free transfers, maybe. Yeah, I think before a Chelsea fixture seems like a good time to let him go. Yeah, he's he's gone. He's gone for me. I've got two transfers, so I've got a bit more a bit more to play with. Um, I mean, it is good that we, you know, we've seen a, a rise for Kane up to 35th. So he's 2.57 um, for minutes per expected goal involvement um, over the last four, uh, which is up from uh, 2.59. I mean, it's not it's not a massive <laughs> increase two minutes per expected goal. I mean, it's, you know, it doesn't bode too well for him. But Son's improved. Um, he's up to two ten, uh, up from uh, up from forty second um, on the list. I mean, it's more a case of other players are performing worse over the last four than those two sort of performing better. I think Son's actually um, worse for expected goal involvement uh, than than, he, than his season data kind of lets go. So. Yeah, they're, they're really, really tough, those two, to sell. Um, like I said, to me, it's hit and hope with the fixtures they've got. Um, big improvement for Jao Cancelo, though, up to 25th from 77th. Um, he's, you know, in line with, like, Reese James at 210. Uh, Trent's up to 16th um, as well. Right at the top of the list, though, we mentioned him earlier. There's Jared Bowen, sixth in the list. Expected goal involvement every 134.5. And don't forget, West Ham have had the hardest fixtures over the last four as well. So for him to be sixth on this list, He's definitely someone who I think is um, being overlooked. Yeah, and I think he's a player that's kind of been overlooked for a couple of seasons now. He's he's such a good player. I think it was at, he was really good when he was at Hull, mm. uh, and he's and he's been very consistent at West Ham. He's obviously one of David Moyes' favourites as well. He's he's always in the team. He's just got a lot going for him. You know, he's got two feet. He's got the set pieces. He's he's just a he's just a quality player. Um, you know, could he's a player I think that could play at a higher level as well. No disrespect to West Ham there. They're doing really well, but you know maybe a, a really top team. I think there was was there a few rumours at one point that Liverpool might have yeah. been interested. You know, he, I think he fits into that kind of system. Yeah, perfectly. he'd have been a great signing for them, with, especially with Afcon. Yeah, story. yeah. So yeah, like, you know the the stats here back up what I've been seeing over the last couple of games watching West Ham. Bowen has has stood out, um, and yeah, like I said, if you fancy a double up or, or a lot of people don't have Antonio as well. If you if you're buying a West Ham asset, I think it's fine to go Bowen over Antonio. If you're if yeah. you want to do something else with your strikers, yeah, I mean minutes per shot is is often a good metric of, of you know attacking potential. 
Son 71 minutes per shot, Kane 60, Ronaldo 34, Bowen 29.3. So he's right up there with these kind of you know elite elite players. I mean Salah's 22.5, Mane's 25.8. He's you know he's he's having a he's having a really good season for for West Ham. Uh, something to think about as a bit of a differential. Um, right, let's go through positions. Let's talk about goalkeepers. Uh, obviously, Sanchez owners are having to decide what to do with him. If you've got Steel, it looks like you can. You're probably okay. He's. I'm, I think Hewton's confirmed. Uh, I'm not Hewton. Uh, Potter. <laughs> I'm going back about three years. Uh, Potter's confirmed that Steele uh, will start that game, despite us signing the Ajax old keeper or young keeper or, or something. Um, so that's good news. If you haven't got him, you're probably going to have to move for someone else. Uh, statistically, the best goalkeeper, uh, if you look XG prevented, is Edward Mendy at 3.4. But Ramsdale is closing the gap up to 2.8 XG uh, prevented against him. Down the bottom of the list, though, I couldn't believe this. Kasper Schmeichel and Nick Pope. Kasper Schmeichel is the worst performing goalkeeper in the league. Uh, he's 5.3. Is, is <laughs> Minus 5.3 is his XG prevented. I mean... I don't know what is going on with Leicester. We're talking about Vardy. We're talking about, you know, poor performances. You just don't know what you're going to get from Leicester at the moment. I don't think Brendan Rodgers knows what to do with them, defensively or attack-wise. They seem to have a different team every week as well. Yeah, they're a bit bit like Aston Villa this season. Mm. You, know, you never know what starting eleven, what the formation's going to be. You know, is Barnes going to be playing? Is Iannaccio going to be playing? Obviously, hasn't helped Schmeichel that is his defence at the start of the season. I think they're missing Johnny Evans. You know, Soyuncu was really missing Johnny Evans uh, at the start of the season as well. And, you know, Pereira always seems to have niggles. So there's lots of chopping and changing. And then, you know, at the back as well, he's going between four at the back, five at the back. Amarty makes appearances from time to time. So, yeah, it's all a, seems a bit of a mess mm. uh, at Leicester this season. No consistency of of picks, of formations. And, yeah, it's, it's again, given that, it's probably not that surprising to see Schmeichel you know, quite far down the list in terms of in terms of goalkeepers. Yeah, great is not not doing too well in terms of the XG variant as well. Minus two point three. Um, he is. Uh, yeah, I mean, he's, he's playing for one of the, one of the league's best defenses at the moment as well, which is kind of helping him. But yeah, it does indicate that he's underperforming on, on kind of what he should be doing. Uh, Ramsdale's to me is is the pick. I mean, two point eight actually prevented. He's making saves every twenty eight point eight minutes, which is one of the best um, in the league. Uh, and yeah, Arsenal have, have tightened up massively. And Mark, the curse is broken. The Ramsdale curse of last year, when he pretty much single-handedly ruined your season, has been lifted because you've got him in your side and you've got his quite big calls for the last two weeks. Yeah, it's been nice. It was, you wouldn't believe how hard it was for me to buy him this season, <laughs> given last season. It's If, you know, most people watching will know or listening, if, if you've got a player and he's, you know, almost single-handedly destroyed your rank or your mini-league position for a long period of time, it's really hard to go back to that player. Uh, and it took every ounce of strength in my body to forgive him and give him another chance. And thankfully, it's paid off over the last couple of game weeks. And that's a good, I think it's a good lesson, FPL. You've got to forgive and forget, clean slate. Yes. As hard as it is to do. Uh, when it comes to Ramsdale, for me, first of all, when Arsenal signed him, I didn't. I didn't understand why they priced him at four point five million when Lennon was five. Mm. So straight away, you've got an underpriced asset, uh, and he doesn't have to do a huge amount at four point five million to be a good option. Arteta was getting pretty decent defensive performances out of Arsenal last season as well, uh, and they just seem to have really, you know, shored it up. Ben White, good addition. Uh, Gabriel coming back in, 
has made a big difference. And that little triangle in their centre of defence along with uh, Ramsdale just seems to have have really shored things up. And I've been impressed with Lakonga as well. You know, mm. when he plays with party, it gives an awful lot of protection to those guys at the back. And Ramsdale, you know, I think he's underpriced. I think he should have been 5 million. Uh, and, you know, he makes lots of saves. His, his distribution has been really impressive, which obviously helps him with his with his bonus points as well. And I just think if we're if we're going to have an Amy Martinez or something close to it this season, I think Ramsdale has the most potential out of all the cheap goalkeepers to be the season's Amy Martinez. Yep, and I think he's going to be our goalkeeper of the World Cup as well. I think he does everything Pickford does, but slightly better. I mean, his distribution just seems as good. He's a better shot stopper. I think he's, he's commanding as well, which is what Arsenal lacked at the back. I, re- I really like him. Would you say he's the, if you're on the wild card, if you're getting rid of Sanchez, do you think Ramsdale is, is the one to go? Or would you consider Greater or someone else? I think on recent game week performances, I think it's an easy pick for goalkeepers mm. now. I think, yeah, you know, I did, I, mention, I did mention that I like Greater, but I just think Ramsdale's a is a bit of a no-brainer at the moment. Yep, agreed. I just want to pause it and just say we've got 1,300 people watching live, which is amazing. Uh, thank you all for tuning in. Don't forget to like this uh, stream and also subscribe to the channel. And of course, look out for uh, Mark, uh, well, FPL, I've got to call you FPL General, everyone's going to get confused with, with Mark Southerns. Um, the Athletic uh, podcast that you do and obviously uh, follow Mark on Twitter as well if you don't already. Well, I'm sure everyone knows who he is. He's got always more followers than me. So yeah, you're a pretty big name. Uh, too many. Southerns. Yeah, too, too many. Too, too famous. Um, moving over to defenders then. Uh, so we've got, this is season data. No surprise, Trent, number one, 159.7 per expected goal involvement. Reese James, then in second, 183. He's uh, beating Chilwell by quite a lot, who's uh, 360, who's sixth on the list. Uh, Jao Cancelo at third. So they're my three, Trent, James and Cancelo. It's nice to see that they're the three top defenders for um, expected goal involvement uh, as well. Uh, interesting, Dawson is up there on on fifth. Uh, he's four point nine, uh, and yeah, and then it's kind of a load of, of players that I don't really think we're going to consider too much. I have highlighted Simicas. Interesting to see if he does get a run of games with with Robertson out. I think Robertson went off, but then was back on the pitch to applaud the fans at the end. I don't think he was wearing a cast or a brace or a boot or anything, so he's probably not a massively severe injury, but definitely one to. Uh, definitely want to monitor. Uh, Lamptey as well, 10th. He's back. Is he back? Is ex-lively Lamptey uh, one that we can consider? Another wing back to consider if he does get a start running team, right? Yeah, I was I was going to ask you about Lamptey if you didn't mention him there because to me, I'm seeing quite a few people talk about him, but to me it feels, I'm not going to say crazy, but given how long he's been out for and how careful they usually are with him, you know, it's we're going into the busiest period of the season. What is it? You know, ten game weeks in forty days. I just can't see Lamptey playing every game. Um, so, you know, what are your thoughts as a Brighton fan? Do you, you know, how much game, how many starts is he going to get over this busy spell? And you know, I just, is I he worth it? I don't think you can buy him. I think he's a great mm-hmm. option when he plays. I think you know, we you, you see just how like camped up the pitch he is. Like you know, sometimes he's like screaming for the ball like outside the penalty area when Brighton are mustering attack. He, he's such a he hasn't lost any of his sharpness, his attacking intent, his acceleration still fast. He's just as good an option as he was last season. But we're going into Christmas. They are going, they're going to have to protect him. They cannot have another injury to his hamstrings like they had before. He's had surgery on it. Um, I, I think he's probably going to start a fair amount of games over Christmas. 
But who do you who do you drop if you've got Trent James Cancelo and Livramento? Like you know, you, you can't drop Livramento for him. Um, I, th- I think he, I think he's a big risk, and I think he's someone that could come on as well if Brighton is struggling and they want to get some more attacking threat down the wing. Yeah, I I love him, um, but I, I don't I don't I can't endorse him. I'm afraid. Yeah, I mean, brilliant player, so exciting, but just he's just too fragile for my liking. You yeah. know, maybe come back to him after Christmas when things calm down in terms of fixtures. I think so. I think he's going to be an option after Christmas. I think when when the you know when things start to get back to normal. And I mean, so many game weeks coming up. Uh, I, I think, you know, which is just wait on him until then. Um, 22nd list is Regulon. I've highlighted him as well. Uh, 546.9. He's someone that is, you know, people are looking at. Emerson Royale isn't on this list, but like we mentioned, he's been looking the, maybe the more attacking one out of the two of them under Conte in, well, in a very, very small sample uh, that we've seen. If you were going to buy one of Regulon or Royale, who'd you go for? I think it's a close call now, but I still think Regulon, to me, he's just the more natural player in the final third. He he doesn't want to defend Regulon. He just wants to, to bomb forward. You know, I think I see Emerson Royale as more of a defender than I do mm. Regulon. So, yeah, I think I don't think you can go wrong with either. Uh, and I think it's quite hard to predict which one is going to score more points over the next four game weeks, for example. But yeah, Regulon just slightly edges it for me. I love I love a left-footed player. Yeah. Notable omission from this list of 30 is the FPL favourite Livramento, not featuring in the top 30 defenders for minutes uh, per ex um, expected goal involvement. I mean, you mentioned earlier people bought him for his attacking returns. He got the goal, but if, you, if these expected stats are anything to go by, they're going to be few and far between and it is going to be the clean sheets that we that we get from him. I still think he's okay to bench, despite the fact he keeps returning. I still think there's there's players that you can play over him. Um, Norwich aside, I, I don't feel too bad about benching Livermore. I don't see him getting huge hauls, and getting six points on your bench is is okay, especially when you've got like you know Cancelo, Trent, and others uh, delivering big returns. Do you agree with that? Or yeah, I still I still I still kind of view Livermore as a bench player as well. I've I've benched him most game weeks. Um, might have got the points once or twice off the bench, but yeah. I've I've kind of got him penciled in to start this one against Norwich. Yeah. Probably not as attractive now, given that Dean Smith's there and not Daniel Farker. Maybe Norwich will have a you know, a bit of a bounce at the weekend. But yeah, Livermento, he's been he's been brilliant, but I still view him as a bench player. You know, at the end of the day, he was he was four million when when most of us bought him, and I still kind of view him as a as a bench filler. But you know, albeit a, a really good one. Yep. Midfielders then uh, are next. So Mares top. Yeah, we're bored of you, Mares. Featuring Barclays, somehow managed to enter into second place as well. Need to need to kind of fill these by minutes played. Uh, kind of Barclays second on the list. Um, but yeah, Gundogan and Jota both up there as we talked about doing well. Um, Elise as well for Palace. When he plays, he's 129.1, which is actually sixth on the list of expected goal involvement, non-penalty. Um, some of the things about I mean, you know talk about Palace options. You've got Elise, you've got uh, Zaha, and you've got Gallagher as well. The three. Good options, I think, that you know are, are real differentials to to kind of pick. Uh, I guess with Olise, it's just the minutes. Um, I, I I think Gallagher probably is. I said Zaha last. It's funny how things can change around. I said Zaha last week, but I think I'm I'm leaning towards Gallagher now as being, as being the one. Yeah, I totally agree. I think Gallagher kind of rules Zaha out of the game in a way. It's very hard to justify paying the extra cash for Gallagher. You know, we, we've got a 
I know it's it's always a small sample size in FPL, but at least eleven game weeks in. You know, Gallagher was looking good after four game weeks. You know, he's still looking good after eleven game weeks. I think it I think it is sustainable from what I've been watching on the pitch as well. Like mm. I said, gets into such good positions. He's got the license to get forward when he's got the other midfielders who do the defensive work. Uh just such a good player. So yeah, it's if I was buying a palace midfielder this week, I think it would be Gallagher because just save the cash and then use it probably in your defence. But if you're feeling brave, Elise at 5.4, statistically, is the more likely player to get returns according to the expected uh, data. Although, again, small sample size with him, he hasn't played too many minutes. Um, just before we move on, uh, I just want to talk about Son at 30th as well. I mean, 30th of all midfielders for expected goal involvement. I know that I keep banging the drum about Spurs and these two, but we're going to need to see huge improvements from them um, to justify the money. Uh, Mark pointed out to me before we came on, uh, Smith Rowe, who's my favourite player at the moment. Uh, he's down in 65th <laughs> for expected goal involvement. He's getting very lucky if you if you look at it. He's not having many shots or many chances, but he's clinical. He's taking his chances really well. Got another goal against the mighty San Marino. Um, just to give a bit of context, though, Sancho's 66th, so one after him with 3-4-4. Four, four. So, yeah, do you think, I mean, Smith Rowe, lots of people are buying him. Obviously, it's Liverpool away next. What do you make him? His, his price has gone up quite a bit now. He's entering like nearly the 6 million mark. Do you think it's sustainable, what he's doing? Or do you think there's, there's better options? Yeah, I, I really like him. Really like him. Um, you know, good to see him get his goal on international duty as well. And he, he's a bit like Gallagher. He just has that nice knack of, of being in the right place mm. at the right time. And, and he's and he's a good finisher like as a, well. Like Ramsey, right? Ramsey was so good at, at doing yeah. that, arriving from deep. I think... Smithrow has got huge potential, and you know we said it. We said it kind of at the end of last season, and going into this season, we thought this could be the budget gem that we we need in midfield. Uh, and, I, and I think it is sustainable. Uh, you know, he's not going to score three and three. He's not going to. Obviously, that's not sustainable. But you know, at five point eight million, you don't need him to do an awful lot. But you know, it's looking at these numbers when I'm thinking about players like Gallagher, like Smithrow. I automatically think I would rather have a six million defender. So if that is the case and that's the way I'm thinking, you know, why not yeah. go with four at the back or five at the back and you know cut out these, you know, middle guys in midfield who who might continue to do well, but at least with the defenders you're getting the, the clean sheet potential and the attacking potential. So yeah, it's um yeah, all signs are pointing towards invest that cash at the back. Yeah. I mean I I love Smith Rover. I I do agree. I mean I, I got Smith Rover five point three which I think is probably one of the best bits of FPL business I've ever I've ever done. Because would I get him now for 5.8? Feels a little bit like chasing points, especially when you look at these these stats and the kind of the you know the next game obviously quite tough. But he he is a great player. I mean it's it's no coincidence that Arsenal are playing better with him in the side. You know Saka's there as well, who, who's absolutely brilliant. And you know Sambi Lukonga you mentioned they they and Ramsdale as well. They're relying on like young players to kind of carry them forward and take them to the next level and amazingly, you've got to say Arteta's doing a quite a good job at the moment where yeah, yeah. I think we kind of wrote him off after the first couple of games. Uh-huh. So, yeah. Here, here's a question. Here's a question for you and I'm sure plenty of people will be will be thinking. Um, if you're selling in Bumo this week or next week, would you go Smithrow or Gallagher? Oh, that is a good question. I think I'd go for Gallagher. Yeah, I think I'm in the same boat. I, I think it's close, but I think on what I've seen so far, I think, I think Gallagher... Um, just offers slightly more. Yeah. I mean, at the same price, if you look at these stats, it's, it's exactly goal involvement, um, non-penalty for Gallagher of 177 and 343 for Smith-Rowe. 
So you're almost twice as likely to get some kind of attacking return from Gallagher as you yeah. are Smith. Very similar assets in many yeah. ways because you know Smith Rowe takes corners as well. Gallagher takes his fair share. So yeah, there's there's very little between them. But yeah, Gallagher Gallagher just looks amazing. Yep. Uh, I'm getting stick in the chat like I always do for talking about Spurs. Mark Dorney. I think as is over justified not bringing Spurs assets. Yeah. Any other team who would be bringing an attacker in? I, like genuinely, do you believe that? Because like I can't remember a team, a top team like Spurs having this poor like attacking stats and their two main players being this low down on these things and everyone sort of clamoring to get them. Like it's, it really is like a kind of, I mean, not nostalgic because it only happened kind of last season, but I, I, I'm, I haven't ruled out bringing one in this week because I do think things surely have to get better for them. And I'm not seeing huge amount of other, other options anywhere, but I think you've got to really analyze these players and, and kind of think to yourself, we're not going to, I don't think we're going to suddenly see Spurs scoring four or five goals in the fixtures that they've, they've got to come. Um, well, at least these stats don't indicate that even remotely. So I would disagree. I don't think it's just, I don't, I don't even hate Spurs that much. I don't know why I've got this reputation. I don't, I don't mind them. They're all right. They're not my worst team in the league, but yeah, I just think they, it is, I, I, I just worry about the, you know, the creativity they've got. Like Conte can't just suddenly conjure up a creative midfielder from the side. He's got to work with what he's got until he buys one. And I think the Celso is going to be key. To unlock them, but I'm yeah. about him. I think this this week is a good example. You know, it's only it's only Tuesday, but we're already seeing the Kane momentum start to build, and I think we all need to be be careful this week. You know, by the time it arrives to Friday, you've got to you've got to stick to your, you know, go back to what you were thinking at the start of the international break before Kane did anything for England, and if you were beating a drum of he's terrible, he's not worth twelve million. You know, you should stick to your guns because there's going to be, and for a fact, there's there's going to be people this week who, who end up buying Kane on Friday night who had absolutely no intention of buying him because Twitter feels like everyone's buying him. Mm. Uh, people are probably going to captain him come Friday night, Saturday morning. So you've got to be careful not to get caught up. And and I find myself, it's happened to myself this week. I had yeah. no interest in Kane. As the week weekend gets closer, <laughs> there's lots of Kane content online. It starts feeding into your thought process. Oh, the fixtures are good. He's surely going to turn the corner. You know, this it would take a minus four for me to get Kane, which is probably going to be what's going to stop me. But hopefully, that will be a blessing in disguise. So yeah, just uh, I think it's a good it's a good example, Kane, this week of how people can get swept along by the crowd mm. and just just keep that in mind when it comes to Friday night. If you're making a decision to transfer Harry Kane in, just press pause and say, "Am I buying him because I really want him and I think he's going to do well?" Or am I buying them because everyone on Twitter is buying them? So yeah, yeah it's uh, very, something to be aware of. This yeah, week. very very good point. I mean, I I am un- I have absolutely no doubts that Conte will get Spurs um, improving. He'll get them up the table. He'll improve on all these metrics, all these stats. Caderson will become options at some point this season. I've got no doubt. It's just he needs time, and like he he hasn't had a week with his with his squad yet. They're all they're all you know. He needed this week with them to get them all. You know, you, you, how can you instill tactics in a team when you don't have your squad? With you when they're hot, you know, they're all halfway around the world. So, you know, it's going to be late for him getting some of these players back. He needs next week with them. Um, I'm I'm pretty set, I think, on waiting a week on on Spurs uh, and seeing how they perform against Leeds, letting Conte, you know, work his magic with them for a bit and then addressing it after that. I think that's the plan. But yeah, I'll probably get swept away with all the Twitter talk, like you, uh, like you mentioned. Um, forwards then, I'm going to mention Kane again, uh, 27th on the list. 
uh, out of 30 that we've got. Uh, I'm not going to badger ban that drum anymore. I'm just get slated some more. Um, Tony as well doing poorly. Uh, I've highlighted a few more. I've highlighted Huang and Jimenez, 19th and 20th respectively. Uh, 212 minutes-ish for expected goal involvement, non-penalty. I mean, they're very different in price. I mean, they're 2 million difference. I think Huang is the better option, but I wouldn't be expecting huge hauls from from Wolves strikers going forward. They're, uh, I don't know, this, they're, a, they're a weird team, Wolves, aren't they? Because I thought they'd be really, really attacking this season, but it's their defence that's really impressed and they just can't really seem to get the most out of their attacking options. Yeah, again, it's it's like the midfielders. You know, if it gets if you get to the point where you're considering buying a Wolves striker, you know, the, the price difference does, you know, it makes more sense to get to get Wang, but at five point eight million, just give me another defender. You know, I, I wish we could pick more than five defenders because yeah. I've got a lot more faith in the premium defenders to to score more points than Wang, you know, over the long term. So yeah, it's he's he hasn't really been in my thoughts at any point this season. You know, I love Jimenez, I've loved him over the last couple of seasons. But yeah, they, you know, Wolves just don't, it just doesn't scream goals to me. Mm. Um, so yeah, don't really have much interest there. No. Uh, Antonio though, fourth on the list. I mean, he's he's the best out of the kind of options that we're considering. Dakar's first, Firmino second, Cavani's third. And then it's Antonio. Uh, we talked about, you know, patience with him and keeping him. I, I, I He's just keeping. I, I can't see a reason to sell him when you haven't got strikers who are, who are doing as well. I mean, Ronaldo's up there in, in fifth, despite not having the best of, of starts. I really do think this Watford game is could be a, a big a big haul for him, uh, which, I mean, sounds pretty obvious when you say it's Ronaldo and the fact it's pretty much the worst team in the league. Uh, but I've said it now, so yeah, we'll go with that. Um, Lukaku's there as well in sixth. They need him back. Be interesting to see if he can become a factor in our in our seasons again. He's training, I think. Um, I think they earmarked him to come back after the international break. So you've got to think he's going to be back in the side as well and this is where it's going to test our resolve of having premium defenders and big you know benches and all this kind of stuff because you've got to think Lukaku is going to play almost every minute of over the Christmas period and hopefully deliver yeah Lukaku is a tricky one because you know when we when we owned him before his injury he was pretty disappointing uh, and I think the injury did us a favour in, mm. in, in being able to sell him so yeah it's even though he's back soon, he's not really in my thoughts. You know, I think I think having two Chelsea defenders probably feels enough from 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 the Blues. Um, but again, hopefully Lukaku does come back in and start firing because we need we need a shake up. It's it's very boring these days looking at many leagues. Everyone has nine or ten of the mm. same starting eleven. So we need the likes of Kane. We need Lukaku. We need Ronaldo. We need we need decisions to make. You know, in particular with with captaincy as well to take it away from Salah. So. Yeah. Hopefully Lukaku does come back with a bang, but I wasn't overly encouraged by him in in those games that he did play before the injury. No, and you, you, I look back at some of the you know the early black boxes I did when Ronaldo and Lukaku both signed, and you know we did whole videos about Lukaku and how he's going to change everything up, and Ronaldo was coming in and all this kind of thing. I mean, to be fair, Mark said that United would, would struggle to create chances with him in the side, and he's I think he's been vindicated in that. Um, but yeah, there was a lot of excitement and hype around you know this threemium type thing, which. Yeah, hasn't hasn't really kind of transpired due to various factors. But yeah, it'd be good to see him come in and, and shake things up, uh, like you mentioned. Um, right, uh, predictions then. Uh, I had a bad week. Uh, Mark will be happy to know. Uh, I only got three out of ten right. Mark got four. He beat me on everything this week. Clean sheets, correct scores. He got two, I got one. Uh, and more outcomes. Which means he's closing the gap. 
47.3. I've dropped under 50% correct outcomes. He's on 44.5. Uh, he's got nine correct schools, my 11 and 20 correct clean sheets, my 23, uh, which is actually a better um, success rate than mine, 44.4. He's got 20 out of 45 predicted right. So I need to be careful that I don't lose this um, because it's not, it's not as close as, well, it's much closer than my rank uh, to his. Uh, game week fixtures, quite interesting. We all went sort of fairly different uh, on these. Uh, we'll go through these kind of fairly quickly. Um, but Leicester, Chelsea, I went for a 3-1. Uh, Mark went for a 2-0, you went for a 2-1, all backing a Chelsea victory in this. I, I can't see any way Leicester win this game, can you? Nah, it's, it's, yeah, it's got to be It's got to be three points for, for Chelsea. Given what we said earlier about Leicester, don't even know what kind of lineup they're going to set up with. And yeah, Chelsea are just on a, on another level compared to, yeah. to Leicester. So yeah, Chelsea yeah. win all day for me. Chelsea win, absolutely. Um, Villa Brighton, I'm the only one that's gone for a Brighton win. Gerard's come in, but you're interested to see how he sets up. Lots of talk about the wing backs or, or full backs cashing targets, if he can, you know, make them a better option. Um, you went for a nil-nil, Mark went for a one-all. It's disappointing Brighton against Newcastle for so in control for like 35 minutes. Just started making some sloppy mistakes, carried on to the second half, played really poorly, and yeah, Newcastle nicked the draw. But I think we're like Aston Villa are just all over the place at the moment. Um uh, can Gerard fix that in the couple of week he's had? They're most of a decent side, but you think you think just a well, you think of the bo- most boring of draws, nil nil. Yeah, I always sorry as, but I always associate Brighton with with boring games and, and low scoring <gasps> games. Given given the way they play, so I went for a nil nil. But if if you had to push me and ask me to pick a winner, I probably would say Brighton because. Yeah, Gerrard's got a big job on to, to fix things. They've, mm. they've been dreadful defensively so far this season. So yeah, yeah, I'm not uh, not planning to sit down and watch that one, that's for sure. Boring game. 2-0 down against Liverpool and we come back and draw 2-0. Do you want know, to see the Brentford game? Last minute winner? We're, we're <laughs> dynamic. Well, we, we weren't dynamic against Newcastle, to be fair. We were absolutely <laughs> awful. Um, Burnley Palace, I've gone for a 1-0. Um, you and Mark are both back to Palace to win. 2-0 for you, 1-0 uh, for Mark. Yeah, I mean... Palace probably should win this game. I just think Burnley like to spoil parties and everyone, there's so much hype about Palace at the moment. It'd be such a Deitch performance just to come in and just sort of eke out a, a, a draw. <laughs> but Palace probably the favourites. Yeah, I mean, Burnley got the point against Chelsea, but should have been about 4-0 down yeah. by the time they got the equaliser. So I think on that performance and, and given Crystal Palace good performance against Wolves, yeah, I'm backing them just to continue with the momentum and, and get another three points. Yep, very true. Um, Newcastle-Brentford, really interesting game this. How's first game in charge? Brentford completely um, off the boil. I went for a draw. Nice, nice boring one all. Uh, Mark, from, Mark went for a Newcastle win, 2-1, and you went for a fairly sizable Brentford win in 3-1. You think Brentford are going to, well, completely turn it around? This match. I think the fact that I'm so frustrated with Mbumo and Tony and the <laughs> fact that it could be the last performance for both of them in my squad. And this is a very hopeful prediction of a of a of a good performance. Hopefully Newcastle are still poor defensively, like they have been all season. Yep. And hopefully Brentford can convert those good underlying attacking numbers into goals. Um and if they do win three one, I guarantee it Tony and Mbumo will still find a way to get two points. Absolutely. It'll be a pin at goal, won't it, that no one owns. <laughs> That's be the way. Uh, Norwich, Southampton next. None of us are backing a Dean Smith uh, masterclass. All going for a Southampton win here. You and I are both going for 2-0. Uh, Mark going for a 2-1. Uh, 
interesting to know who lines up up front for Southampton if Bro is fit. They've got Armstrong and they've got um, Che Adams as well. Uh, I was thinking about maybe getting Armstrong in for Vardy, but I think it's maybe a bit too much. I don't know. I think Armstrong probably will start and it'll be one of Adams or Broya, but both have been in good form. I mean, Broya's been good when he's played and Adams has got, I think, two goals over the international break as well. Feels like there's maybe a bit too risky. Yeah, I think when you're buying a striker from, let's say, a lower half team in the league, you don't want to have any question mark. You want to buy a Callum Wilson. You know, plays every week. Armstrong has been really good the last two games. I think he starts against Norwich, but it's after that. Does he keep his place if he has a perf- performance against Norwich? So yeah, when there's three strikers fighting for two places, it's I think it's just easier to stay away. Yep, no, I agree. Uh, what for United? Uh, you've both back to three one. I went for two nil, which is very hopeful for United keeping clean sheet. But it is Watford. Uh, yeah, so I mean, this is this is what I mean. I think you know, with Ronaldo. Uh, if we're backing goals in this game, you've got to think he's going to be involved. I mean, he normally eats up teams like Watford, you know, sort of lower half, bottom fodder teams. Surely he's going to get. Yeah, some I think it's a, I think it's a Ronaldo kind of game. Uh, I think I think we should score at least three goals against Watford, given how poor they've been this season. And you know, if he starts, which he should, you know, surely he's involved in in some of those goals. So yeah, you know, and I've I've put I've put down Watford to score in this one because. Going back to that table we seen earlier, you just yeah. can't back us for clean sheets at the moment. Watford do have good attacking talent. You know, Josh King, Ismail Saar, they will get chances and they probably will score. I just hope we score a lot more than they do. Yep. Uh, Wolves-West Ham next. We've all gone for a West Ham win. Not too surprising. West Ham have been great. Wolves a bit inconsistent. Uh, I went for a 1-0 because Wolves don't tend to concede too many goals. Uh, you went for a 2-1. Uh, Mark went for a 2-0. Um, yeah, not, not too much to say about them, right? It's hard to back against West Ham against anyone. Yeah, again, I think most people picking a prediction in that one will will go for a West Ham win, especially after beating Liverpool. You know, they're going to be coming into this one full of confidence and, yeah, expect nothing else other than than three points. Uh, Hopefully it's Antonio getting those two goals. Yep, I think he scored scored tonight for Jamaica. Uh, And he scored earlier, didn't he? He scored a solo goal, which just ran for everyone and just slotted in. Uh, I love that guy. He's such a good player. Uh, Liverpool-Arsenal, 5.30 game on Saturday. Loads of games on Saturday. Only two games on, on the Sunday. Uh, great day of football. Um, I've gone for 2-1 Liverpool. Mark went for 2-0. You went for 3-1. 3-1 Liverpool. So, a bit of a round. Yeah, went for a 3-1, but maybe on reflection, I think it could be a little bit closer than my prediction suggests here. I, th- I think Arsenal are pretty pretty solid. Mm. So, you know, maybe if I was doing that again, maybe maybe a 2-1 uh, maybe not a two-goal victory, especially now, you know, Firmino's out. There was a couple of question marks over Manny. You know, it seems like he's going to be okay, though. But, you know, Robertson, if he's not playing, you know, it does weaken Liverpool as well. So maybe maybe a 2-1 rather than a 3-1 there. Yeah, it'd be interesting to see who, you know, what the injury news is with, with Liverpool. I'll be doing team news video with Neil for Scout on Friday. So uh, pay attention to that. We'll get all the news about Manny and Robertson. And I think Origi's a doubt as well. They're sort of bare bones. Uh, a little bit, but yeah, I mean, Jota should, should definitely start in that game. Uh, interesting one with City Everton. Uh, I've gone for 2 0. Mark went for a 3 0. He went for a 4 0. 4 0 City. You're expecting Everton to get absolutely battered. Yeah, Everton have been disappointing this season. Mm. You know, we expect Rafa Benitez to come in and be number one clean sheet orientated, but I think it's a bit like Conte at Spurs. No matter how good you are as a manager, if you haven't got the the pieces for the chess game, you know, it's quite hard to implement your your style. So Everton, I think, have got some pretty 
pretty poor defenders and I don't really rate the goalkeeper either. And and I think City will just have 70% possession, have loads of chances. And I think people like Phil Foden will probably do well. So yeah, I think it could be, you know, if City want to win 4-0, they, they probably can. Just depends what kind of yeah. mood they're in or whether they're in second gear or, or fourth gear. Yep, completely agree. And the final game, now you are being hopeful here. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> a 4-2 prediction uh, from you uh, for Spurs against Leeds. <laughs> Uh, I've gone for a two-one. Mark went for a two-nil. Four goals after all we've heard tonight. Are you are you tempted to change that? I went. Um, I think what happened here was I did all my Saturday scores first, and then I got to Sunday and thought, you know what, those Saturday ones are pretty boring. So I'm gonna <laughs> I'm gonna spice things up here through in two eight two eight ones. Hopefully it's a super Sunday with with loads of goals. So yeah, I think Spurs leads like you said earlier could be nil-nil, could be four-four. Mm. So hopefully it's the latter. Hopefully there's loads of goals. And um, hopefully Son scores all four and, and Kane gets maybe one assist and, and no goals. Just, just so, yeah, the, just hopefully, the, hopefully there's goals in that one. Just the 10 goals predicted for you on two games on, on Sunday. So, <laughs> yeah, it would be a super Sunday if that happens. Uh, excellent. So Captain Matrix. Oh, this is very depressing. This is a very depressing part of this podcast. Uh, we've got Game Week 12, Salah as the kind of primary candidate. Game Week 13, Salah as the primary candidate. Game Week 14, uh, Salah. And Game Week 15, Salah. Uh, we've got some other differentials this week. We've got Kane in there and Son, obviously. Ronaldo, who I've talked about. Lukaku's in there, could come back against Leicester. It was a bit risky. Foden, though, if you're predicting four goals for City against Everton, he's highly likely to be involved. Realistically, though, we're not going... Well, I might. I'm, if I bring in Ronaldo, I will definitely captain him. It's just if I do that or if I go for a Spurs play or if I do something else. I, I don't really know. We're going to talk about what I'm going to do in a minute. I don't really know what I'm going to what I'm going to do. But if I, I do, I think Ronaldo is, is the best option. It's just, do you actually bring him in for one week just to captain him? So you're, you're hundred percent set and captaining him if you do get him. Yeah. yeah otherwise, I guess. otherwise there's no point in bringing him in. I might, I might as well just get someone else and you know, it's, it's, it's literally for one week. That, that yeah. Bring him let's in. try and let's try and maximize it. I guess it makes yeah. sense. And I think it's, it's the same for people with, with Kane. If they're going to bring him in for leads, you probably got to go the whole way and yeah. captain him as well. Um, Salah for me I've got it on him at the moment and I don't feel as strongly about Salah this week as I have maybe for the last three or four game weeks as a captain I just think Arsenal is not an easy fixture and you know some of those other guys do have really nice fixtures Spurs guys in particular Ronaldo who you mentioned uh, and I do like Foden I don't have Foden but if I did have him you know if you're really looking for a differential Mm -hmm. You know, you know, I backed a four 0 in that game. So if I'm backing a four 0 you know, why not? Why not back Foden as captain? I think it, Pep always scares me off though with with captain and Man City players. I think owning them is enough. So I'm leaning towards Salah. I guess my only other option is is Son, who I who I own. I am tempted, but yeah, it's very hard to look past Salah at the yeah. moment. So I'm probably going to be boring and and stick with it. Interesting, but you would go for Kane if you had him. Um, would I go for Kane if I had him? I think when it comes to captaincy for me, I think penalties always plays a big factor. Mm. And that's why I'm less inclined to captain Son over Kane. It's a funny one because I think Son versus Kane, I think Son is the better option FPL-wise. But then if I owned Kane, I think I'd be more inclined to captain him. It's it's funny. I I think the penalties plays a part in my thinking there. Yeah, but, um, just gives you more rules. And I mean, yeah, yeah. Well. And when when you when you start have having to overthink it, 
it just defaults back to Salah. Yeah. You know, he has the penalties. He plays for the much better side. We should remember. You know, I always try and you got to back the team as well as the player. You know, who would you back in the bookies? You're going to back Liverpool. You're going to back Spurs. It's going to be Liverpool all day long. Mm. So yeah. Hard, hard to go against the Egyptians. Well, it's one of the issues with Ronaldo. Is he might be off penalties. When we saw Fernandez take and miss the last one that he had for United, is it, is it going to come back to Ronaldo? Or are they going to let Fernandez take it again? It's, I mean, I was 99.99999% sure Ronaldo was going to be on pens. But I just don't know what Ole's thinking is. <laughs> yeah, it's still, still pretty unclear. Yeah, I think I was one of the ones who was who was who thought Fernandez would keep them, but it's right. it, it feels like it's up in the air as much as, as it ever has been now. So yeah. uh maybe Harry Maguire will step up and do Yeah. That. Oh God, can you imagine? <laughs> Rose Ed wouldn't be high enough. Uh yeah, well just a bit more on captains then. Um I mean Salah's obviously got the most goals, he's got the most assists of the players we're looking at. He's had the most he's had the, he takes the least minutes to have a shot uh, and he's got the best mins per XGI. It's purely just down to opponents really. Uh, Watford are the worst when it comes to minutes per big chance conceded, um, minutes per XG conceded. Uh, Leeds don't fare too well. They're bottom four mins per chance conceded. So not big chances, but they concede a lot of kind of the smaller chances, which is good news for for Son and, and Kane who can kind of capitalise on that. Um, but yeah, Arsenal Arsenal do pretty well on this. They, they've definitely tightened up um, quite a lot. And Wolves, for people kind of considering Antonio as well, Wolves have sort of really, really good defensive numbers, um, which is why I just went for a 1-0 uh, to West Ham. So it, to me, it's a kind of just a just a formal fixtures debate. It's just whether you go with Salah with the with the form, but the harder fixture, or whether you take a, a punt on one of these kind of, you know, Watford or Leeds can concede a couple to Spurs. It's a it's a very interesting one. See when you've got, see when you're talking about bringing Ronaldo in there to, to give him the armband in terms of your thought process, are you kind of thinking it's just an opportunity, you know, you're sitting at 10K now. Are you thinking, you know, if if Salah has a quiet one like he has done the last two game weeks, are you just trying to capitalise, hope Ronaldo goes big and, you know, shoot yourself towards the top 1K? Is that the kind of thinking That's there? The just plan. try and capitalise? Yeah, I mean, the, the thinking is, is that I just don't think I'm going to go without Salah you know, the, I don't, I, I'm looking at the fixtures. I'm just not seeing an opportunity to to do it apart from this week. Uh, and looking at Arsenal having improved and having a system that seems to be working and a good goalkeeper and Liverpool with the injuries that they they might have. I think a lot of it depends on that. I think if Liverpool were kind of you know if Mane's back and Origi's fine and Robertson's okay and they've got kind of a full strength squad, um, it might sort of talk me out of it. But if they're going into that with a half fit squad and a tough game, I think it probably represents a, a decent chance. And I just don't trust Spurs at all because if Spurs had any semblance of form and it looked better against Everton um, under Conte I'd, I'd definitely be considering getting just grabbing Kane or, or Son and, and going with them but they didn't so this feels to me that Ronaldo is, is the best other option other than Salah this week yeah I'm feeling a bit conflicted as well because what I'm what I'm trying to do you know this season I've kind of forgot about trying to get a top 10k finish what I'm trying to do is is win FPL at some point in yeah. my career and you know sitting at 34k now a week like this feels like maybe there's an opportunity. You know, Salah, yes, we know how much he can hurt you if he does what he did against Manchester United and you didn't captain him. You know, people are still trying to recover from that. But I think, you know, if if we're saying Arsenal have tightened up, are a difficult fixture, then why, you know, we probably should give the other guys, you know, at least some consideration. And like you say, in, in future game weeks, Salah is probably going to be a, an easy captain pick when the others have trickier fixtures mm. and he's got better fixtures than Arsenal. So I think, you know, for the rest of this week, I don't want to just say auto-captain Salah and not 
think any more about it. I'm going to think about the likes of Sun. Um, you know, I'd need a minus four to get Kane. But but even even some of the you know people who have the likes of Foden and Ronaldo, like like you, I think I think Ronaldo is as good a captaincy option as Salah this game week. And if you know if it is a low scoring game against Arsenal, let's say even if Salah just scores one. Uh, you know, if Ronaldo can get two or three or, or players like Kane and Son can get braces, you know, the way I'm looking at my rank now is 34K. If things fall in your favour, which they can in any given game week, you can you can absolutely fly, you know, from 34K to the top 5K overnight. So it's, yeah. it is tempting. It's tricky to know when to kind of like consolidate and just accept I'm in the top 10K. Let's just, you know, play it safe and, and go with that. That's, that's just not how I want to play it. Like I, I want to push on for the for the you know, the actual absolute top positions. And, you know, I, I've, I've spent the last three seasons clawing my way to because of around the hundred K mark from about five, 600,000. Why not try and claw myself up to the one K when I'm in a good position and I can still have a decent season, even if it does go completely wrong. And, and like, I know people got burnt by Havertz a few weeks ago and, and going, you know, going for him over Salah, but like, you could replay those two games a hundred times. And how many times does Salah get a hat trick and assist at Old Trafford and and have that exactly. thing in a yeah. yeah, I mean, what I would say to the to the managers who did get burned by Havertz, you know, don't let it influence your yeah. captaincy decision exactly. this week. You know, if you think Ronaldo or Son is a better captaincy candidate than Salah this week, do it because, like you say, in any given one game week, anything can happen. Yeah, it's 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 very hard to separate the emotion out with. I mean, it's why we love FPL, right? Because we all are so invested in it and get so emotional about these kind of things and. You know, I, I I can't. I if I had done that, if I mean, I I I think I I did a tweet and said if I had Jota and I was we were all pretty sure he wasn't going to play, and I could have swapped him out for a minus four for Havertz, I would have done it. I didn't have him luckily, and someone said to me, "Would you captain him as well?" And I was like, "Well, yeah, probably go go the full way." I mean, you you know, you're looking at forty points down if you if you'd done that move, it would have been an absolute disaster. You look at Mark early the season taking Torres out before that Arsenal game, the amount of points he lost, it's. It's hard not to let those decisions yeah. affect you. But like you say, you need to kind of keep a clear head and yeah, and, and not get too bogged down by it. Um, all right, let's take a look at our teams then going into this week because I've talked to death about my plans. Uh, I've got Ramsdale in goal, Trent, Cancelo, James, Livramento. I'm very happy with that back four. Uh, Salah Foden, Rafino, Mbomo. I'm happy with three of them. I'm definitely not happy with Mbomo. And then Vardy and Tony, and I'm not happy with them either. Uh, on my bench at the moment, I've got Foster, Antonio, Duffy and Smith-Rowe. I think Antonio will probably come in uh, for someone. Not entirely sure who yet. I've got two free transfers. Um, so I can't. I haven't got the exact money to do Vardy to Ronaldo. I'd have to do Vardy and Duffy uh, to a kind of a cheaper defender. And then Ronaldo would come in. So it's two transfers for Ronaldo, but still for free. Uh, I could do Vardy to Kane for free, which is annoying because that seems probably the more sensible thing to do but I don't really want him that's the problem uh, or I could do Vardy and Mbomo to I could afford anyone up to Armstrong 5.9 and do Mbomo to Son so they're the three things I'm considering um, I genuinely don't know which one I'm going to do I, I yeah I don't know <laughs> any thoughts <laughs> I think the way I've always played the game as well as is try and take as much frustration out of the game. So having done this show with you tonight, you know, I think you've got to, you've got to back your own instinct and your instinct is Ronaldo. Mm. So, and you keep, you keep bashing Kane. So you really shouldn't buy him because, you know, I, I always think in that scenario, you know, fast forward to Monday next week, you know, what will make you more frustrated if you, if you bought Kane and he blanked, 
or if you didn't buy Ronaldo and he scored a brace, yeah. you know, it's, I think that's the way I try and simplify the decision-making process. I, I don't think I would, I wouldn't be frustrated if I didn't buy Kane any halls. Like if he gets a hat-trick against Leeds, I just have to hold my hand up and just say, fair enough. I just didn't see that coming. Like it was, it was completely against everything I've seen and, and read and all the research I've done. Um, but yeah, if Ronaldo did bang and I didn't have him, then I, I would be like, yeah, I kind of thought that would happen. So yeah, I, I think you're, you're probably right. Um, Son is someone that interests me though. Um, I think, you know, he's, he's not featured too highly on this list, but like you say, he's looked good. Like eye test wise, he's looked decent. He's been the only player, I think really, that's kind of impressed me with, with Spurs. Um, so he what was your, what was your route to Son? Is it losing in Bumo and Vardy? Yeah. And who would you put in the Vardy spot? Well, that's the question. I could afford Armstrong, who I'm, I could then play against Norwich. Um, but then again, I've got quite a strong squad. Again, maybe it's time to take some money out. It's just who do you really go to down from there? Like you're looking yeah, at Broya down to five, but I don't think he's going to play enough. So then I'm looking at getting a four-five striker, Dane Scarlett or someone. I don't know. It's I don't really like not having three strikers. I hate I hate that four-point-five forward like bench option it just annoys me because you're not yeah. going to get anything from him um, yeah I don't know I'll probably get Ronaldo I'll probably get Ronaldo and captain him that's maybe what I'll do I sounds say. good <laughs> uh, your team uh, you've got Ramsdale in goal just like me same back four except you've got Chilwell instead of James uh, Trent Cancelo and Livermento uh, you've got Salah captain you've got Son in place and you've got Rafina. And you've got Vardy, Tony, and Tony. I mean, we've got very similar teams, haven't we? We've got about <laughs> what nine the same. Everyone does these days, yeah. to be fair. Yeah. So yeah, it's um I've only got one free transfer, which makes things a little bit trickier. Like I said, top targets, Reese James, Jota, Foden, and then possibly Harry Kane for the fixture. So I mean Vardy to Kane, I think is a totally fine transfer for people to make this week based on fixtures. Um if you can do it, you've got the cash. If it works out, fantastic. You're ahead of the game. Uh, if it doesn't work out, it's not the end of the world. It's not gonna. It's not gonna define your season. So for me, at the moment, I'm leaning towards banking because to get any of those players I mentioned, it probably would be a minus four, and I'm I'm quite you know hit averse as a, as a manager. And I think just looking at the starting eleven, I think it looks totally fine. I don't mind Vardy against Chelsea because, like I say. He's, he's still a top striker. He's got penalties and it would be typical of, of him to score when a lot of people sell him. So I don't mind. The other the other reason why I don't mind keeping Vardy is, is looking further ahead. Uh, the four fixtures after the Chelsea game are really nice for Vardy. So if he did get something against Chelsea, I'd probably want to keep him then mm. for those four, yeah, four yeah. nice fixtures. So just keeping the keeping that option open that if he does do something against Chelsea, maybe, maybe just keep him then and I just like, I think I need two free transfers the following week to, to restructure. I might need to go back to four at the back, you know, with, with Reese James, or I might need to get Harry Kane. I might need to get Jota or Foden. So it's obviously much easier to do so with two free transfers. So yeah, leaning towards banking. Leaning towards banking, nice and boring. Nice and boring, Mark, but very sensible. That's that's me in a, in a nutshell. <laughs> it has been quite nice to have two free transfers over the international break. Because I mean, it, it lets me move Ronaldo, right? Because I, I wouldn't be doing it yeah. for a hit, for sure. Um, also, Duffy worries me as well. You know, with festive rotation coming and Lamptey back in the side and, and things, I think it's probably time to to move move him on. Um, take a look at Mark's team. So Mark's made a transfer already. He had two uh, transfers. He's taken Sanchez out and got in Guaita. So he's clearly looking at the the stats. Uh, he's got Cancelo, Trent, and Chilwell, Salafod and Son, Imbomo, Shotter, 
Tony and Antonio. I mean, it's a very similar team to both of ours. Uh, he's got Jota in place, who he's obviously bangs on about all the time. Um, but yeah, it's amazing when you look at this team and you think he's, you know, 60 points behind us or whatever it is. And the team doesn't look bad. Like, it's nothing wrong with it. It was, you know, he wildcarded a few weeks ago and the wildcard looked pretty solid. He just, you know, he had, he had triple Brentford attack and, yeah, well, triple Brentford and Huang and, yeah, Jota hasn't performed and Son hasn't delivered for him yet. But I think he's going to be fairly confident going forward to turn around. Yeah, that's a, I mean, looking at that team on paper, it's, it's totally solid. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I would, I would actually probably say, I would actually probably prefer to have that team than my own at the moment because mm. there's Foden in there and there's Jota. And I think those two could do really well over the next couple of game weeks. Yeah. I mean, he could even move in Bomo to Gallagher or something like that, double up on Palace. Mm, maybe he's been burnt by that already. But yeah, nah, I'd love to mock you more, Mark, but I think your team is pretty solid. But yeah, 65 points where he is. You know, could catch that. Not, not, not Enjoy it while it lasts, because yeah. you know he'll come for you. Know he'll come for you. <laughs> uh, I said, yes, you won't catch me up quickly, but it'll probably be a slow, drawn out. Probably on that last he'll, day he'll, of the season or something. Yeah, exactly. He'll really end and he'll, he'll just stick the dagger in and give me 30 again. Oh, you just know it's going to happen, don't you? Uh, great. So let's just go through the black box leagues quickly. Uh, we've got a new number one, uh, FPL Focal, uh, joined us. Um, oh, sorry, Mark, I've got rid of your uh, video. Let me just pop that back in. <laughs> All these screens, at least I only messed one up. Um, you're back now. Uh, so yes, FPL Focal's joined. Um, so sorry, Tabs, but he's now number one. The best bit of FPL Focal joining is that he's propelled us to, I think, third in the overall league standings. Uh, which has always been my dream for FPL Black Box League to be in the top uh, five. So yeah, thanks Oscar. Appreciate that. Uh, but yeah, Tabs is in second. Uh, Richard uh, Sopf is in third. Big score for him, 101 points uh, this week, just like Oscar uh, as well. Uh, Steve Sidman in fourth and Harry Jones um, in fifth. Yeah, you're all doing great. Um, Apprentice League, I'm 771. Uh, Mark, 706. Uh, Natalie's 676. And Henry is 666. So yeah, Natty's got 10 points on, on Henry. She'll be happy with that. She really wants to beat him uh, this season. Uh, but yeah, they're luckily some way off Mark and I because it would be pretty embarrassing if they were if they were smashing us in the first ever season. Um, let's take a look at the ticker quickly. Uh, Spurs have got the best fixtures over the next kind of five weeks. Uh, Newcastle look like they could um, prosper under Howe. They've got, they've got the second best. Brentford's still a decent run in third. Uh, the worst runs are for Watford. So Renini's got a job on him. Gerard as well at Villa, a second worst. And Everton, who just really need to start picking up some points. I've got a poor run. They've got City, Liverpool and Arsenal uh, in the next three. Uh, so probably not the time to be investing in the likes of Townsend and Gray. Uh, and that lot. Uh, the last thing I want to mention before we go is the FPL Challenge. I mentioned this a few times on the pod. Uh, essentially, every time Mark, not, not general, um, Mark Southerns, very confusing that, uh, get a green arrow, we donate to the FPL Challenge and it's a really good way of um, sort of uh, feeding sort of starving uh, people around the world. So if you want to get involved in that, uh, check out the FPL Challenge on Share the Meal app and you can give as little as 65p to help other people. Uh, Mark, it's been an absolute pleasure having you on Black Box. Thank you so much for stepping in for Mark Sevens. I would say you've definitely live remented it. And hopefully, did I get uh, did I get the three bonus? That's you can have thing. you can have the three. Unlike Livermento, I don't think he's got three bonus yet. You can have all three. Uh, hopefully, when Mark's back um, next month, hopefully we can do one with the three of us. 
Yeah, that'd be great. Like I said, thank you, thank you for having me. It was I was buzzing to get the invite. As a, as a big fan of the show, it was a, an absolute pleasure. So thank you very much. You are more than welcome. Uh, yeah, and just under two hours. I did promise you that it wasn't going to be two hours, and then we did one hour fifty eight. So it's not just my. It's always going to happen. Yeah, it's always going to happen. Um, but yeah, thanks everyone for watching. As I've mentioned before, uh, hit the like button, uh, subscribe to the channel. Um, but for now, uh, I will see you soon. Cheerio. Podcast Network.